Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! you out of all the world, out of all the women, the whole world, he chose you. He arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son. His power is stronger than stronger. Hail, his might shall last longer than longer. Yes, Satan! No! It can't be! No! Oh, look at his hands and his feet. Oh, God! God is dead! And welcome to The Electric Chair. I am your host, Midnight Corey. And this time around, uh, I think you're all out there going to know who my guest is tonight because you've heard several of his really, really cool tales read in my Tales from the Electric Chair segments. And that is author, Mr. Mark Slade. Mark, welcome to the show, man. All right, thanks. Uh, yeah. Dude, appreciate it, having me here. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I just appreciate that uh, you were so kind as to uh, offer up a lot of your stories for me to read yeah. on the show. I really, really enjoyed them, man, and uh, I really appreciate that. Well, thanks. You know, it's yeah, they're okay. They're not that great, but they're okay. <laughs> uh, don't sell yourself short. They were. Uh, I, I, I don't even remember how I found you. Uh, I think I was looking on Burial Day, and you oh, must yeah. have had something on their markets or did, uh, dead markets. Did you ever put anything on that? Uh, no, actually, I interviewed um, uh, Cena um, oh, okay. on the show, and she put links up to me, I think, on the website. And I did That's end up, um, I read, she sent me over, actually, a bunch of stories from uh, the authors that are featured over there regularly. Um, oh, who, yeah, uh, yeah. said I could read. So I read, I, 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 read, I think, two or three uh, stories from uh, the... I remember what it was. It was the story the owl. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was, and it led me to your thing, and I saw where, I think I saw where you said that you were taking submissions. Maybe not, but I just thought I'd email you and see if you would read any of mine, so. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you for that. That was uh, very generous of you. Um, because I had nothing going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was, they were the first per people to actually publish anything of mine, and that I was just trying to. Drum up business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you, you certainly do have the talent for it. And um, thanks. So. Like I said, it, your your writing I think is is spectacular. I love your creativity, and uh, man, you just you, you write a wide variety of horror. You know, you're not you're not the zombie writer. You're not the strictly no. supernatural. I mean, a lot of your stuff is supernatural, but you're not yeah. strictly that kind of vein. Um, you had a lot of variety in it, so. Um, I guess. Well, first of all, before we before I start asking about all kinds of cool stuff, um, I just wanted to mention your podcast, um, which is going on right now, the Dark Dreams. Um, yeah. 
that uh, you're you're doing readings and you're having having people read stuff and uh, it's really really cool. So tell people about Dark Dreams and uh, where they can uh, check you out. Oh well, I mean it's uh, darkdreams.blogspot.com. I think. Yeah. Well, it, you'll have the link anyway. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I usually uh, go out and try to find writers. I've uh, I've had a couple, actually big name writers. Yeah, I had to write them down. Sorry. <laughs> But, I mean, I just got in touch with people like Joe Lansdale, of all people. Oh, I love and he Joe. He was really nice. He was real nice about this. And uh, Chet Williamson, he did his own reading of uh, Music of the Dark Time, which is, like, one of my favorite stories I read in the Twilight Zone magazine back in the late 80s. Nice. And, uh, and Tim Powers, of all oh, people, he's, um, wow. he's one of the founding fathers of steampunk. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Oh, Congratulations. Yeah, uh, along with K.W. Jeter, you know, and uh, James Blaylock, who I, I uh, had talked to his agent about using one of his stories. But, uh, yeah, I have a little hard time getting a copy of theirs, you know. Hmm. But Tim Power sent me a copy, which was really nice, you know. And wow. I got in touch with uh, Richard Matheson's son, uh, Richard Christian Matheson. He, he gave me, you know, the go-ahead to do a couple of his. And... Um, which, you know, which is uh, a couple of the stories he uh, had written influenced me, uh, especially the really short ones, because mm. a lot of his uh, stories are like uh, a page and a half. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the, the amount of plot he can put into a page and a half is just uh, crazy. And uh, he was one of these uh, writers. Um, you saw his name on every TV show in the 80s because he was the story editor of like A-Team and uh, – I don't think it was Knight Rider, but, you know, a lot of shows watched as a kid, which is... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people like that. And I got William uh, Georgeberg, which I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He uh, He's the writer of the movie Legend. You ever oh, saw yeah. that with Tom Cruise? Yep. Yeah, he wrote that. And uh, I've been a fan of his. And he also wrote the book that uh, Angel Heart was based on. Okay. With uh, wow. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he now talk about really humble and real nice guy. He actually sent that in the mail to me. Wow! Because uh, I mean, he, he uses Facebook, but he said he didn't have a uh, scanner. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think of these guys as normal people, to be honest. I mean, right. they are, but you know, because yeah. you see them in print all the time, and you kind of view them like you did your teachers. You know what I mean? Right. It, right. You don't see them as normal people. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like actors and stuff. So, well, at least for me, you know. Dude, that's what but, I found totally uh, doing a lot of interviews on my show, too. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I, I've talked and, to a lot of bigger names, and uh, they are some of the coolest, most humble people in the world. And they'll do stuff for you, and people, they'll send you stuff. They'll, they'll oh, yeah. talk with you forever. I mean, just so many fantastic people out there. And, and few and far between are the really, really bad ones, more stuck up ones, more standoffish True. ones. I haven't run True. into um, hardly any of those. Uh, they are certainly out there, but uh, unfortunately those are the ones I think that get the most uh, talked about, you know, whenever they are uh, approached or something and there's a, there's a bad well, situation or reaction. That's all you hear about. Well, it's funny because Joe Lansdale, uh, I mean, he just has a like fan page, but he runs it. That's awesome. You know? And, um, you know, and Chuck Williamson had his own, like, a personal one. But Joe Lansdale gives a lot of uh, information about what's coming up for him. I mean, and really open about, like, it, because he wrote um, 
the the story that Bubba Hotep was based on. Oh, really? If you, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me tell you, the story's even crazier than the movie, <laughs> and a lot funnier. But the movie's really good. It was yeah. a good adaption. Yeah. But I mean, he'll talk about stuff like um, if he's got uh, like, like I think his Happ and Leonard novels hmm. were uh, supposed to be movies, and he he'll tell straight out that oh, this one producer tried to screw me, or not really screw me, but you know, right. tried to wheel and deal something that he didn't want to have anything to do with, or a deal fell through. I mean, you know, and, and he gives a lot of good advice to people who want to do this thing, hmm. you know, write and stuff. I mean, and and he's he's made a couple people mad, which I've read. It's kind of funny <laughs> that people get really upset at some of the things, and, and, and he'll say that I'm not trying to tell you not to do this. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe steer clear of this area. But, yeah. You know. Oh, he, he yeah. was right up here uh, this past fall at uh, the Erie Horror Film Festival. Uh, was he, he? He was one of the guests. And, of course, every time I went by his table, there were either, like, a million people there or he was MIA, yeah. you know, because they occasionally go out and get something to eat or go on a break or they go across the room to talk to somebody. And it's like every time I went by his table, like I saw his stacks of books there and and uh, or else I saw a crowd. And unfortunately, I just I didn't want to wait around or, you know, right. so I'm just like, yeah, I got all weekend and I never got to speak with Joe, which is right. a bummer um, because well, that, that that proved your point, though. Right. You know, because right. the humble I mean, they get the most attention. Exactly. You know, exactly. and you know, he he just doesn't think of himself. I mean, he. Of course, I mean, you know, he's confident in himself, but he's not full of himself. You exactly. know, he's not a snob. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just read recently, I read uh, on Kindle, I think you can buy his whole series of the, uh, the drive-in um, yes. books. And uh, yep. you can buy them all as one big volume. And uh, uh, I just read that here oh, within the last year or two. Oh really? And I just, Were they good? Yeah. I've only read. I've only <laughs> yeah. read like an excerpt. It was in a magazine uh, back in the late '80s when it first came out, the first book. And uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild. Is is the tame way of putting it? It's yes. out there, man. And that's that's Joe. I mean, that's how he writes. That and is that's Joe. Things. Yeah. I don't think he really writes that kind of thing as much anymore because he. I guess he's not really looking for the attention. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. he's got it. So, but I, I don't think he writes that kind of. And he kind of was the uh, kind of before Clive Barker. He was kind of doing that type of what? What is it they call it that type of uh, writing for a while? Um, blood writing or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's where oh. where it's like uh, people ripping each other's flesh off and having <laughs> sex and crazy stuff like that. You know, yeah. Thing with Joe, he's always got this weird kind of humorous thing going on, like underneath it. You know, you know, he's not he's not really serious about it because he can't be. I mean, he can't. Right. It's so outlandish some of this stuff, and it's just so funny. And and you're kind of disgusted and you're laughing at the same time. You know, and well, you kind of get the joke. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite short stories he ever did. I I just can't remember the name of it, but. <laughs> It was where he hires he he himself is a character in the story in his family or his wife is I don't I don't think he had any kids at the time but he hires this blind guy to mow his grass right a blind albino <laughs> and the guy takes over his family oh my gosh yeah, oh yeah That's I, I awesome. think you can find that in uh in uh, high cotton that book oh, wow. but I mean it's it's all and then 
probably the first thing I, I remember noticing him was a dog cat baby. And it's about, it's told from the viewpoint of the dog and the cat and they hate each other, of course. And when the, when the uh, family comes home, they bring the new baby. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's like war. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, yeah. I, I got to pick up uh, more of Lansdale here because, uh, I'm so glad you brought him up because, again, I just, uh, you know, I read his drive-in books and I, I knew I wanted to meet him. And I, I've read a few of his other things, but I'm, I'm nowhere yeah. near, a, you know, a Lansdale aficionado. Um, oh, well, I mean, me either. I mean, he writes so much. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you can't even put a tag on him. I mean, he's just known in the horror field because of certain things, yeah. you know, he's written. And, <laughs> but but uh, No, I'm so glad you brought that up because... Uh, Probably tonight here after the show, I'm going to be loading up my Kindle now with a lot more stuff. And uh, so he's just so much fun to read. So um, so obviously, you know, you, you got a little bit of uh, Lansdale influence going there. Who else have you read that sort of influences your writing um, oh, in your life here? Well, the, the, the main one definitely is Ray Bradbury. Nice. You know, yeah. And probably the first story I remember reading or is read to me probably was by one of my brothers was the October game. Oh, wow. It, yeah. It's such a nasty little story. I, it, it's hard to believe that it was written in the, uh, was it the early fifties or late forties? Yeah. And it was published in like, I think red book or something of all magazines. Really? I think, or McCall's. <laughs> and so this was like I mean, a women's sort of audience that was reading this story. I mean, that's, well, it could have been, but you know, I, I think back then people read more than that. I think they read outside of their, I mean, the guy sitting there in the barbershop getting a shave was probably reading it, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I could get that. More than likely. Because, you know, and you have to admit, people who were editors back then had more going on in their head than they do now. They're oh, not looking for a far. certain genre, a certain audience. They were like, hey, let's get it to the masses. That's right. it. Right. That's all they cared about. But, mm. yeah, Bradbury was, like, probably the top one. And, and of course, Richard Matheson, mm. you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I am legend. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, that would be the obvious Matheson that everyone's going to talk about. But uh, is there other Matheson that uh, you can pinpoint that's really? Oh yeah, to you? most most definitely, uh, Legend of Hell House. Nice, his ghost story. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, I saw the f- the film before I read. Actually, I think I. I just knew him from the Twilight Zone because I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. Mm, yeah. Ever since I was like 10. And all the best, most of the best episodes had him, uh, Rod Serling, let's see, uh, George Clayton Johnson, mm-hmm. who nobody talks about anymore, and uh, Charles Beaumont. They're, they they mo- wrote the most episodes, but all their best ones had their names on it. Mm-hmm. And they were just really good stuff. And uh, Matheson, uh, oh, what what is the other one? Oh, shoot. They made a TV movie out of his stories, which had, um, uh, I can't even remember her name. I knew I should have researched it more. <laughs> no. But no, I put you on popped, the spot, so that's all right. No, no, it, it just pops into my head a lot of times. It's, yeah. uh, what's her name? Uh, it, she was the main actress in all the stories, and one about the, the, the doll that was chasing her. You know hmm. what I'm talking about? A Zuni uh. doll? That was <laughs> run around chasing her and uh, back and forth. I should, and I, it probably as soon as I go and like look it up, I'm going to kick myself. I'm like, yes, right. I'm so stupid. I didn't. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but, I mean, it's one of those. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, and 
and there's other little I mean I can't really say all the best stuff uh, influenced me I think uh, I was like 13 and uh, we watched Elvira Oh, it was like nice. every Saturday, yes. Saturday night. And she had this one that was just so, so horrible. It was even below her standards. Wow. But she had it on there. And <laughs> it was just this guy running around um, trying to keep his son from attacking other people. He was a monster. You didn't see the monster until the end. And he had paper mache on his face. Of course. was yeah. the monster. <laughs> but it was so noticeable. Because, yeah. you know, they didn't shoot it in good lighting or, you know, they had too much light on it. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was just so <laughs> such a bad movie. I was like, I could do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and it, was probably, it was probably a Stephen King book that probably, uh, if I could, I, I'm not even sure what it was. It might have been one of his short stories. Usually, I love all his short stories. Not so much on his novels after... Uh, you know, after The Shining, probably it's hit and miss for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of those short stories that was really, really good was Jerusalem's Lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, I mean, he was at the top of his game on that. Yeah. You know, he, he always does well with sh- short stories. Yeah. yeah, you know, absolutely, yep. man. Oh, that's that's fantastic, and I, I I know I can I can see a lot of this in your writing. Um, just the way you're talking about what you're loving about all these stories and and things, I, I can I can see that in what you do. And uh, oh, but, thanks. Well, I mean, you know, I, the best uh, best way to learn is to mimic, right? You know, and steal. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. No, I <laughs> I um I like to write myself. Now I just do it as a hobby. And oh. I've, I've been published one time. I, I have one short story that's been published. But oh uh, yeah, where was that at? Um, it was at uh, oh man. I hope they're not listening. I can't even think of the book. It was called uh, Dark, a horror anthology. And oh, okay. um, it was actually friends, um, uh, fellow podcasters, other yeah. writers like uh, Steve Wands and Brian Wolford from Drunken Zombie and okay. a bunch of guys. We all got together and we're like, we're all writers too. And this is really, really great stuff. And so we all submitted stories and stuff and put out a really, really solid compilation that actually has a lot of great reviews on Amazon. Um and of course, I have a, a a zombie story in mind because that's all I tend to uh, tend to gravitate towards when I write. Yeah, you know, I can start <laughs> off writing a you know a, like a, a, a pirate epic, and oh, okay. all of a sudden it it's gonna go into zombies. You know, well, it doesn't matter where I start. That. Yeah, yeah, that's always yeah. you know where where it is. But uh, so I write a lot, but I don't finish a lot. Um, uh, that's but, that's the main thing. Yeah. You got to finish, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's. What but you got to have the time to do it too. Right. Know? Yeah. And uh, so you know, over the years, I've read a lot of books, read a lot of uh, you know authors giving advice, a lot of uh, things like that. And the number one piece of advice that authors give you is that the best writing school that you can go to is reading books. Yeah. Just sitting that's down, true. reading the greats, reading stuff that's out there. Um, and just, uh, if you find a style, you know, I, I really love Hemingway's style and oh, I've oh, always, I've always, yeah. And I've always wanted to write like him because he does so much with so little. Right. Um, well, that's true. And, uh, I just, I, I've really, really always dug his sort of, uh, fly on the wall, uh, right. sort of, uh, POV in his stories. And, and, um, you know, I'd like, I'd like to emulate Hemingway without having to drink so much. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I read, 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 read a lot of Hemingway and, and everything. And eventually you, you read enough that you start to, you start to sort of absorb things and, That's and, true. um, 
sort of uh, figure out word choice and combination, sort of sentence structure, sentence length, dialogue, things like yeah. that. And you just sort of absorb that and it sort of comes out um, as you write. But I think there's a caveat to that. You read a lot, but I think you also have to just sit down and write a lot and well, just do it. It Well, one of the things that Lansdale covered, and, and I've read other people saying this, is don't set... Uh, uh, really hard things to achieve, hmm. you know, just yeah. if, if you can write a, a paragraph a day, that's fine. You know, I wouldn't even worry about if you couldn't get to a thousand words. I, I don't even think I could get to a thousand words hmm. every day, hmm. but if you can get through like a couple pages and that's your goal, then that's fine. Or if you can just do like three sentences then you're doing something, you know, as long as you're doing it every day yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah, you know? just, just even, sitting down and doing something, anything at all. Well, yeah. nowadays you don't even have to sit down. You can do it on your phone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have a friend, uh, Dominic Cassiola. I've, I've had him on the podcast, and he had a really great fantasy story, uh, which he's never finished. I mean, it's in parts, but he's got to get a couple parts to me before I can put some more on the podcast. He writes his stuff on his phone. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, on his Apple phone and until it crashes on him <laughs> once a week, which he hates the Apple products, which I, I, I you know, wholeheartedly can't stand iTunes. Thank Don't you. Don't even understand it. I, am I, I, can't even, I can't even get my podcast on iTunes. I, I don't even understand why it can't be on it. Wow. But wow. no big deal. You know, yeah. just just buck the system, you know. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and... He, he writes a lot of really good stuff. You, you should go ahead and finish. You know, whatever you have, if you have anything finished, send it to me or read it yourself. I mean, you've done some narrating for me, oh, which yeah, was yeah. really uh, great. You know, I'd like to have more of you. <laughs> yeah, actually, there there's still some things in the hopper. You sent me some things here like like uh, two months ago or something ridiculous. True. And, but and that's no big deal. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I, we, so I can always send you something else. It's, you know, <laughs> whenever. Or you could just do it your whatever of your stories, you know. I'm not picky about stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm I don't think I've ever rejected somebody, to be honest. That's cool. That's cool. I, I yeah. appreciate that. And but that's the key. I mean, it's just sitting. It, it's finishing something. I, I think yeah. uh, you know. There's a lot of pressure. I, I tend to overthink things, and that's a, that's a, I think a lot of uh, beginning writers problems right there is you overthink yeah. things um you're like well do i have a good plot do i have a good beginning middle and end are my characters compelling are they multi-dimensional you know these are all the thoughts going through my head and i'm just like i read what i got and i'm like i'm a hack you know i, I t- man this sucks i just got to start on something new well, and you know i just jump from one to the yeah. next and yeah. well l- let me tell you you can't do any worse than l ron hubbard I- i'm gonna tell you that that is a hack with a capital h <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, dismissive of the dude, but yes, I am because he's a hack. He was horrible, and he got published. So what did you he tell me? I I don't think I've ever read anything by Hubbard um, at all. It's um, not even worth it, to be honest with you. But I hear about um, him all the time. What did he write? I'm, uh, I know I'm gonna. Um, everyone out there is gonna think I'm stupid, and I don't know what I'm no, talking about. No, 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 no. It, it, even the title goes beyond me. He he wrote so much. He he must have wrote from what I'd read on uh various sites and of course Scientology. That's what I was gonna say. Often. He's the Scientology guy, right? He's he's kind of yeah. the guy that made all that up and people yeah. 
Well, let me tell you a funny story about him. He 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 sent his idea for a religion to Alistair Crawley, who was still barely alive then. Mm-hmm. I think it was like in the early fifties. Crawley wrote him back and said, "You're crazy." Oh wow! <laughs> now. And, and, and the whole thing about Scientology, which would probably upset people, I don't, I don't really care, because it, it's not a real theology. It's not. <laughs> right. he, it, it started over a game of, of poker with, of all people, the same people that we just mentioned, except for Richard Matheson, I don't think, was Harlan Ellison uh, gave this story about him. He was there with a bunch of other science fiction writers because they all hung out together. And he was talking about how, uh, talking about uh, Hubbard was, how much less money they make writing, which is true. And it's true today. You don't really make that much. Mm. But he was, you know, laboring about it and just being, you know, really upset. And Ellison said, why don't you just create a religion? And he did. And look at it. (laughs) Amazing. I, I know. I mean, you know, Harlan Ellison's another writer that's influenced me. I mean... Don't really care much for his personality. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's some things that he talks about he's right about, but he's just so belligerent about <laughs> everything that it makes it hard for you to – have you ever watched the um, Dreams of Sharp Teeth documentary about him? No, I haven't. They started that documentary in 1980. Wow. And they just finished it in, like, 2006. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And – when you finally see the footage of him in the early days, it's so funny. He yells at the guy, are you going to shoot this thing? If not, then get the F out of my house. (laughs) And then you hear the typewriter going. And so they never show the footage, just play the audio. Mm -hmm. And then they cut right to him and how he's, Harlan's not a too nice guy (laughs) that, I mean, I I don't think I'd want to shake his hand. (laughs) Amazing. But he's, he's such a good writer. And, Mm -hmm. um, He's come up like with probably what Trekkies considered the best Star Trek episode ever. Oh yeah, which is uh, city, yeah, city on the edge of forever. Wow. That that was his story, you know. Man, man, I can't say I'm much of a Trekkie. I, I've watched it and I've enjoyed it. I uh, you know, yeah. I, I think I enjoy the original, of course, you know, the original series. Um, yeah, that's the one more that than I anything. Like. And I and I don't know if it's because it's a lot of. Just cool kind of 60s styles going on. and That's you probably know, what it is. And, uh, you know, I like the sets and I like everything like that. And, then you, you know, watching the new generation or the next generation, um, you know, I think I was like, a, you know, a kid and a teenager while right. that was going on. And I saw a few of those and I, you know, it was okay. And now there's like spinoffs and everything like yeah. that and all kinds of crazy stuff. I, and I'm just, I'm not interested. I, I, I don't I'm know. not interested in those remakes at all. People tell yeah. me they're good. But yep. I, you know, so tired of remakes. They, you know, <laughs> no everything has got to be remade now. Yeah, and and mention I am Legend. That that's <laughs> definitely not even one of the best versions of that. There is no good version of I Am Legend, which is unfortunate. You know. Yeah. Did you watch it? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Did you like it? No, no. I just I couldn't dig. It was the CGI that just really bugged me. Oh really? You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Will Smith, choice. you know, Will Smith is, uh, he, he's the fresh prince to me. And that's yeah, every that time I see him anywhere, that's, that's who he is. And he's just got to well, be hunking, you know, hanging out and, uh, um, uh, with, uh, what his uncle, um, 
oh man, I'm thinking of the TV show now. You know, he's he's not. I just I have a yeah. hard time taking him as a serious actor. He's the rapper. He's the, yeah, the right. funny goofy guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, Last Man on Earth, fantastic that's, film. That's not too bad. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's not Matheson's book, but it's it's actually yeah. pretty inventive. With yeah. what they had. Yeah, and um, now I know uh, what is there is there. Um, what is there in the Omega? Omega the Omega Man. I heard. I've heard. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that's probably the best adaptation. Uh, well, again, it's it's not even his story whatsoever, mm. <laughs> which is crazy. Interesting. Uh, it, it must have been something to do with producers and a, his agent, and he he may have like wrote a script and then told them take my name off of it because you changed it so much. <laughs> I have no idea, really. Uh, I mean, he's he's talked about it, but I don't remember if he said a reason Omega Man is so different from his book. But the, Will Smith, the thing about him is he has a catchphrase in every movie, which is, oh, no, you didn't. Uh. <laughs> and I just don't get that. I mean, yeah. if you don't, I mean, you're doing something getting paid millions of dollars and you can't even be a different person every time, you know? Uh. No, he's he's one of these guys. I mean, it's it's mainstream. This is Hollywood. Yeah, he's a true. mainstream guy. He he's out to please kind of like the the the, the least common denominator uh, film viewer person that's gonna either go to the theater or rent a video on a Friday night. Yeah. you know, get a red box something. And your general run of the mill person, Joe Q public out there, loves that. They're like Will Smith. Yeah. He said that line again in this movie. Oh, that was right. awesome. And yes, yeah, like. That's like Independence Day. Uh, oh. People tell me, oh, that's one of my favorite science fiction movies. I'm like, okay, it's, it's sort of sci-fi, but it's not science fiction. I mean, it's, it's okay. The, the part when they blew up the White House was really good. But other than that, the rest of it's just it's no story to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's not much going on there. Exactly. Oh, I couldn't, I mean, they, I couldn't stand that movie. I mean, you know the guy wrote whoever wrote the script wrote it over a cup of coffee that's oh, yeah. how long it took him and well, yeah there's a formula there again hollywood yes. you know they they go by formulas they know what True. sells at that point in time and they write to that and they change a few things and that's what you go with and yeah yeah you know, it's it's sad i mean i guess i'm guilty of liking certain i mean well i like horse and that's a formula to a degree you know well, yeah it's, yeah it can but be. you know but there, there's other things going on with it too. I mean, when you when you catch the best of them, they're different. They're different stories. Yeah, yeah. They they do so much with it. I mean, you can't catch the hacks who put the stuff out, and it's just basically uh, probably shouldn't mention any names. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never been an Anne Rice fan uh, at yeah. all. Yeah, it, the the whole vampire thing. I, thanks to her, we've got sparkly vampires. Yeah, and, yeah, she's the one that kind of ushered that whole era in. Kind of, yeah. And, and and of course, I mean, you could blame Dark Shadows for that too, the the TV show, yeah. because they made they made him sympathetic. But the thing about that is, it had so much going on with that story, the whole soap opera. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it's it's like a huge novel, Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. And it takes forever to get to the good parts, but that's that's the charm of the show. And yeah. and again, like you said with the um, with Star Trek, it's the '60s. A whole the whole thing is yeah. the haircuts, the the clothing, and the the lingo that they speak. You know, right. it's, it's it, it goes with it. Right. Yeah, right. 
And uh, I, I sort of, I, I could see you as, as uh, you know, you you appreciate some sci-fi. Um, you know, yeah. because I, I was watching you on Facebook, and not not that I was watching you on Facebook, but I was on oh. Facebook, <laughs> and I uh, just noticed, you know, in my stream going by, you were posting some Doctor Who stuff. And I'm I, a huge Doctor Who freak. Oh, I got that. So please explain to me. I, I've tried. I've yeah. I've really really tried to uh, sit down and appreciate Doctor Who, and I've talked to so many people about right. this, and I just don't get it i mean i i don't well and there there are people out there like you know tons of people who love this yeah. and can't get enough and i i don't know i don't i don't see, see the appeal see, I, I don't know when you were a kid it wasn't on that's the thing yeah and when i was a kid tom baker was the doctor he was he was the guy he he was this big curly haired funny looking guy big eyes and said funny stuff and he fought monsters. And now when I see those, and I see the monsters are pretty cheesy. But the story good. And when I go back even further back to the first Doctor, the stories are always really good. It's a time travel show, basically. Mm-hmm. Guy running around the whole universe <laughs> in yeah. a police call box. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a good show. It's, it's now it's 50th anniversary of it. I was shocked that they even brought it back because it got so bad in the late 80s that they just had to cancel it, you know. But now that they brought it back, you had Tennant, um, you had Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston, who's, uh, I mean, I've watched him coming up through these independent films, British independents, so much, you know. And here he appears as the Doctor. And, you know, those episodes are okay. Uh, The ones with Tennant are all right. Once it gets to Matt Smith, it really picks up because they have a much better writer now. Well, there uh, was uh, there was a close f- friend of mine who's a big Doctor Who fan, and he was talking yeah. about the, uh, the the new series. And uh, I, I said, "Dude, you know, I, same argument. I'm just like I, I can't get into it." And he said, "Don't even watch before season three. He told me that well, uh, you start with season three because that's where things really get going. And is that sort of the the time no, you're talking about? No, or? not for me. Uh, like oh, I yeah. said, it, it, it's 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 a kid thing. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. See, you, you got to catch it probably as a kid. I mm-hmm. mean, other people they they started with Tennant and they mm-hmm. love him. Gotcha. Then there's you got the odd ones who start out with Eccleston, uh, or now the the big Doctor Who is Matt Smith. It, obviously, uh, he's he's because it's been. Um, Mostly because it's been a rerun, or not reruns, but it's brought over to America, and he's the doctor. Same thing when I was a kid, Tom Baker was the doctor. That's why it got popular, because it was being run in America on PBS. And if, if the thing is, if, if you don't get it now, you never will. That's, I, I think I missed that window, you know? It, yeah, it, it's the same thing with zombies. There, there are people who can't get into zombies, and if, if you don't get it, you never will. For horror. You know, yeah. so it's hard to explain it, and it, it's basically he's he's pretty heroic in a little little ways. He's not heroic like say Bruce Willis heroic. You know, yeah. it doesn't always blow things up. He solves things with his mind, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and, and that's not that big a deal with me. You know, however you solve the the story is is cool with me as long as it's not you know really stupid. Yeah, but. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of a kid thing. It, I just remember seeing Tom Baker stumble around, fall on his face, get up and smile. And 
you know, he, he fights all the monsters, winks at you and says, hey, you know, there's no such thing as a monster, hmm. you know, kind of thing. Right. You know, it, it's that's what it is. Yeah. Same thing with Tales from Dark Side and Friday the 13th, the series. They, they all were, you know, big influence on me in that way. Late night television. <laughs> yeah. And I can even see, uh, you know, going completely outside, you know, horror, sci-fi, anything like that. But uh, even nowadays when I look at things like Monty Python and, oh, yes. uh, you know, Definitely. why I was uh, I am still such a huge Monty Python fan, even though oh, it uh, a lot of it kind of comes across to me differently now that I'm, you know, in my 30s right. and I, I'm, you know, I have obviously I have a different tastes and humor and, and things yeah. strike me as funny for different reasons. Um, but, uh, man, when I was a kid and adolescent and I got into Monty Python, man, that was the funniest stuff that I'd ever yeah. heard in my life. Well, and, it, uh, it's, it's stupid and, and smart at the same time. Right. But right. you don't get that as a kid. You just see the, like them attacking each other with, with, uh, knives and forks. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Things like that, you know, falling down in mud puddles or hitting each other with a, a shaved fish. <laughs> And it's interesting so, to think, you know, if I had uh, if I hadn't discovered Monty Python, maybe till I was in my twenties, or even you know up until my thirties, um, would I even think that they are as brilliant as uh, I do? You know, you know what? I, yeah, that might be one of the things to like Doctor Who and yeah. all the other stuff. It you just have to catch it at the time, and if you get it, you get it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there was other shows that comedies, especially. And me and my brother, Tim, we always talk about this, that we were never kids, really, in our entertainment. I mean, we like cartoons and stuff, of course, but we always watched adult stuff like Taxi and Barney Miller and <laughs> stuff we're not supposed to watch. Uh, Second City Television, SCTV. Wow, yeah. Huge influence. Um, all, because it, much better than Saturday Night Live. And Saturday yes. Night Live had its, its times, but... They, well, Saturday they, Night Live wouldn't have been anything without Second City. I mean, Second City true. brought up a ton of the talent that we saw on That's Saturday true. Night Live. That's where they cut their teeth, man. So and and they all take their cue from Monty Python, who yes. takes their cue from uh, from uh, Dudley Moore and uh, and Cook Moore and Cook, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. uh, it, which take their cue from Peter Sellers and the Goons, mm. and they take their cue from Vaudeville. So you know, and, and of course you can't. You mm. always have to mention Benny Hill. Oh, yes. I mean, there's no way you could talk about British uh, comedy without talking about Benny Hill or Are You Being Served as a sitcom. It's wow. one of the best that's ever been made. That's been know? so long. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I've done nothing but watch television <laughs> my entire life. So, and read. You oh. know, it's my younger sister came in, I don't know, probably a year or two, and I was in my room. Listening to Led Zeppelin and and uh, reading Conan the Barbarian, she said nothing's changed, has it? That's awesome. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, not really, just older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You mentioned Peter Sellers, and that uh, that makes me think of uh, like old time radio. Oh um, yeah, all those old serials with uh, you know, like Shadow, Inner Sanctum. You know, um, I've started re- uh, uh, listening to that stuff again. It's all—all all that's online now. Oh, you can—you can get tons of it as much as you yeah. can listen to. It's out there. And and, uh, and uh, one one that's become one of my favorites. I haven't downloaded it in a couple months, but Nero Wolf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I I loved the TV show that was on A and E, which was really really good. Um, I never watched it. Huh. Uh, 
you definitely you have to look for it. Uh, it it was from what I understand, it's the TV show that changed A and E into what it is now, which really? is unfortunate. I mean, A and E is okay, but it's not what it used to be. Uh, yeah. hmm. Seriously, uh, it they used to run a lot of stuff like like what we were just talking about. Mm. A lot of the uh, British comedies, oddball movies like Repo Man. Mm-hmm. You could not watch, you couldn't <laughs> catch Repo Man on TV unless it was on A and E. Wow, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it that, it was the TV show that killed A and E's, uh, made it into a reality mm. network because it cost two million dollars an episode wow. in uh, two thousand year two thousand. I think is when it first came out. Oh my god, nineteen ninety nine, and. Let me tell you that that was a lot of money for a TV yeah. show back then because a million dollars was the going rate for them, you know. But that's what they spent, you know. And Timothy Hut- Hutton Hutton really really did a good job on that show, which I think he directed a lot of those. Hmm. Amazing, amazing. The more I talk with you, man, the cooler <laughs> you get. And uh, I don't know about that. It's... Oh, dude, <laughs> I could go on just all night, just going this way and, and talking about everything. I mean, I think the beauty of uh, going back and and uh, talking about books, talking about radio, yeah. horror and all of this, um, I think harkens to what I find appealing in horror and what I think real horror is, and that's that it resides in your mind. It forces you to sort of create these images yourself and be scared by them. Um, because you're listening to uh, these shows or you're reading a book. And you're being forced to yeah. uh, conjure these images to create everything in your mind. And uh, I think that's where good horror go. I mean, even the best horror movies, the greatest horror movies out there, the ones that scare me the most are the ones that get in my head. Right. And, and yeah, there isn't hardly any, you know, uh, big explosions or a lot of uh, special effects in, the, in those movies, you know. Right. Um like you, you're always mentioning Night of the Living Dead. It's 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 really good at what it does. Yeah, uh, it's not even hardly any makeup job on it. It's it's just a lot of low lighting, exactly. you know, coming through the shadows. Yeah, and probably the first time anybody went to a, uh, a drive-in or a local theater and saw nudity. Yeah, but it but it didn't have any sex in it. There was nothing right. to do with that. It was just naked dead people, you know, eating yeah. each other. Right. <laughs> or eating the live people, not each other. But oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like zombies, uh, uh, but I I don't think they're a main monster that I like. Uh, I like all kinds, but the zombies that I really really like anymore is like white zombie. Yes, with yes. with the island magic and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it's it's cool. And, but you know, I, I really hope that people remember. George Romero after he dies, a lot more when when they put out these zombie stuff. You you just can't deny his influence, Absolutely. you know. And and it's the same thing with like I see where they've done the Hitchcock film. Did you see that come out? It, it's a movie called Hitchcock. It's about the making of Psycho and stuff. Oh, yeah, I've I've uh, I I haven't seen it, but I've read about it and I've seen that. It's yeah, out I haven't there. either. Yeah, but the thing is, they, everybody forgets is Robert Block wrote the book, and nobody talks about Robert Block. Uh, uh, only uh, us who, who read horror or, you know, like I said, watch Tales from the Dark Side or uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, you see his name and you go, wow, that's, 
that's typical block with the humor and and people running around acting crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he wrote Psycho, and the movie Psycho is based pretty close to the book. I mean, they only changed the way the people look, maybe changed a handful of names. But I was watching a documentary about it, and the screenwriter comes out and just blatantly says, yeah, me and Hitchcock came up with this. And I'm like, no. <laughs> wow. His wife, his wife read the book first when it came out in 1958. Maybe it's 59. 59. And actually, it was a bestseller. Nobody knows that it was it was a huge bestseller because it was a shock, right. you know. Uh, he 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 based it on Ed Gain, of course. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes back to Ed Gain when you do serial killers, oh, of or, course. Yeah. or actually, for a lot of people, the modern times it's Dahmer. Yeah, you know? yeah. Anymore it is, yeah. yeah. But uh, even Hannibal Lecter's based on Ed Gain. Yeah, you know? yeah, true, true. And they have a whole new series I, coming out about Lecter. You see the TV series coming out now. It's like sort of a prequel. To Silence of the Lambs. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, while he was still, uh, I believe, from what I've, I've read, and I'm trying to remember now, um, but uh, it's Hannibal Lecter. He's a lot younger. He's still actually a professor. He's teaching somewhere, <laughs> and uh, he happens to have the expertise Ooh. to aid um, some uh, cop or investigator in a lot of these crimes that's going on. So it's almost like... You know, it's the same sort of idea as Silence yeah. of the Lambs, where he is, you know, he's helping these investigations and stuff go on. Um, but this is before he's actually been uh, jailed, before he's oh, actually okay. tried for anything or suspected of anything. But you know that, uh, of course, he's going to have things going on. Um, right. Sort of these he's activities. He's still eating livers oh. with oh, father beans, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that starts young. And uh, so that's, uh, that's where we're going to go. But, uh, yeah, we're seeing... Uh, yeah, Hannibal uh, still being continued on, uh, yeah. which I, you know I'm looking forward to. But you're right. I oh, mean, really? <laughs> there, there, there's just a certain, uh, I think, few uh, serial killers, a uh, few you know really big names out there. You know that. Uh, yeah. A lot of what we're seeing is based on you know, of course, Jack the Ripper. I think has been you know one that's oh, been yeah. influential for a Most long definitely. time, and, and which is uh, another uh, Robert Block character that he, right. he brought back. Right. Oh yeah. Even an episode of Star Trek, Robert Block wrote, has Jack the Ripper in it. You're serious? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think it's called Wolf in the Fold. I'm oh not sure. Gosh. Oh, it's great. And and he, he wrote, it's probably one of the most famous stories in all of horror. Uh, you know, well, from like the 1940s to about like the 1980s or, or early 70s. It's called Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. And mm. it's told from first person story about this guy. Uh, I think it's a psychiatrist who's talking about how this guy thinks he's, I might, I might have it wrong, but I think he thinks he's Jack the Ripper, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end, it's not even him at all. It's it's the psychiatrist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's because awesome. He, well, well, what he's talking about is that he believes, and, and Robert Block's used this in a lot of stories and, and in that episode of Star Trek, is that Jack the Ripper was an evil spirit hmm. who would get inside of people different kinds of people mm-hmm. and they would perform these crimes to the gods. Wow. <laughs> you know, some evil God wanted like to see this sacri- type of sacrifice. So uh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. That is man. Yeah. Oh, wow, dude, this is a, uh, this is incredible, man. This is a, uh, this is really cool. And, uh, coming into tonight, I'm like, let's talk about some movies. 
Oh, and, thank you. Uh, dude, uh, you know, movies, uh, you know, before we get into, uh, we're actually going to talk about two tonight. But, um, you know, film-wise, man, um, other than these, um, have there been any movie? What's what's What are some big horror movies? You know, we talked about Night of the Living Dead, and that's really right. effective and, and things. But uh, uh, are there horror movies that you watch, especially as a kid? Because we talked about how much that affects you at a young age. And, yeah. and things that maybe really messed with you when you were a kid, and they were sort of taboo things to see at the time. Uh, uh, I was 10, and... Uh, Probably, probably about the same time that I watched my first Twilight Zone episode, you know. But it was the horror Dracula from Hammer. Oh, nice. And it was a, yeah, there was a scene. There's several scenes, but there was definitely a scene where uh, I was telling somebody about it uh, the other day where um, Peter Cushion is being approached by uh, Mina Hawk Harker, I believe. Yeah. Is, um, and, of course, you already know she's a vampire, and he does, too. But he's not letting her know it. Hmm. And she comes up to him as real seductive and everything. And he pulls out this cross. And she screams. And and the fangs just pop out. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then he takes and puts the cross on her forehead and burns. And it burns a mark. Yeah, that, that was definitely a, a, something that was like, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like... It, Going to sleep that night, I was I was very afraid that she was coming to get into the bed with me. Yeah, or or not that, but you know, to yeah. grab me and take me wherever and, and do right. whatever vampires do. You know, <laughs> right, right. Is that so, your favorite uh, Dracula adaptation? I believe so. Uh, it's some about the Hammer films, uh, and what I was reading, uh, it was like one of the first color versions of it. Where uh, oh, yeah. of any horror films back then, where you could see, you know, blood and violence and sexuality, but they were only allowed a certain amount of sexuality. You yeah. know, yeah. but to be honest with you, it was enough. Yeah, it yeah. was enough. They know, did it with just the right. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it, they they brought it to that line, and they didn't cross a line where you're just like, well, now they're just trying to exploit the right. whole sex thing. You know, it was right. there for a reason, yeah. and they did it tastefully. So. Yeah, because the, the English censors only, they, they told them, you, you can have the violence or you can have the sex. can't have both. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I forgot his name. Uh, Anthony Hines, I think is his name. His father had owned a company or something. He, he chose the right one, you know, for mm-hmm. the audience because, uh, well, especially American audience. You know, the English is more lax on the sexual thing, uh, but Americans, nah. Yeah. They've they've always you know give me the blood, <laughs> yeah, and then later on bring on the you know the nudity and the girls and so well, when it became the the seventies and the eighties you know when when they changed the rating formats and oh, stuff oh yeah 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 and, had and then I I'd say James Bond helped bring that through yeah definitely. yeah oh definitely yeah. definitely and uh, who's another another writer uh, Ian Fleming that influenced ooh, me yeah with the oh, way he, he began sentences. So I always start out with and. <laughs> I love that. That's interesting because I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm real big into grammar. I was actually an English major for the first. Uh, I'm glad you are because uh, I, I know nothing about grammar. <laughs> first two and a half years of my college career, I was English, um, yeah. and so I learned a lot about grammar. And even now, I find myself well. 
now I'm on the internet a lot and I'm a lot more forgiving because I, I understand it's just, uh, it's yeah. going to happen, but, uh, it's short thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and is not the, the right way. You don't start a sentence with a conjunction. Nope. Um, so that's, nope. it's sort of, uh, you know, one of those things where you know the rules and then you break them, but you sort of have to know them first and then you break them. Uh, for artistic intent, and uh, I'm, that's, I'm what, that's sure. what Fleming was doing, I'm sure. And, right. Well, yeah. he he didn't know any better, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> he did. I mean, he was he probably had a better education than either one of us ever mm-hmm. did because mm-hmm. I think he went to Oxford, maybe Cambridge. I can't remember. Oh my gosh! But as yeah. far as far as like being a student, he he wasn't a good student. He was into like Bond. He was into partying and hey. you know taking care of business and. Yeah. And that's what he did for the uh, English government, you know, yeah, during World War II. Stirred, you know, that's, uh, that's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> but when it came to his writing, it was, uh, which is funny, he, he read uh, bird books and travel books. So they weren't probably big on grammar either, you know. Mm, funny. But I think, I think the way a lot of people write is the, how they talk, how they speak, Yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, whatever's in your head, and, and and it riles editors to no end. I'm uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I get some rejection <laughs> letters uh, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, going so, back to talking about... I, I laugh, some of them I get like, I don't think I'll try this ever again. Uh, well, know, I but, mean, it's it's. I think that's another special challenge uh, for writers, that um, you sort of have to know what what kind of person your your editor is going to be or, or you know the person that you're submitting your story yeah, to uh, what they're going to be and sort of what they're going to like and and not like and um you know even down to style like you said you know that's a definite style and uh right you know they're gonna maybe take one look at this thing and say this is not what what i'm into what my readers are into and maybe reject it because you start all your sentences with and or something like that you know <laughs> well you know it, it starts that way or yeah yeah, something yeah. like that. But anyway, yeah, like you were saying about. <laughs> sorry, got off on another. <laughs> no, no, tangent. You know that happens all the time on my show, and you know that. I mean, just. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. I I do listen to your show pretty regular. You know. Thank you. Uh, that was that was kind of fun. What you had last week with the? How'd you stumble on him? The, oh, the guy. That oh was, yeah, the zombie. Uh, the extra on um, on uh, Walking Dead. <laughs> I just happened to follow him on Twitter, and I have no idea how I just, uh, he was following somebody else, and I started following him, and in his his description, he's like, I'm the zombie that bit Herschel in The Walking Ah. Dead. And then I just, I just, um, I followed him, and then he followed me back, which is uh, really cool, and and then I messaged him, like, hey, this is really cool, you bit Herschel's leg, I would love to talk with you on my show. Knowing nothing about him, other than he was the guy, you know, who played this part, and he's like, that would be great. Let's set something up. And I mean, oh, that was cool. that was it. And uh, he was he was very very cool. But uh, yeah, I just I I love uh, if I'm interested in something, I'll just go with it. You know. And, oh, okay, uh, that's cool. I mean, and and it's good that you, you know, when you hear back from them, yeah. you know, whoever yeah. it is you want on your podcast, you know, it's it makes you want to go on with it. Oh yeah. I know that sounds silly, but it, it does. You know, exactly. It's encouragement. It is. You know? It is. And. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Twitter's just been a huge thing. Facebook and just getting yeah. to know people, people through people, and stumbling on on you know great uh, great people. Just uh, yeah, yeah, really fantastic. Well, well, I agree with you what you said about Facebook. Uh, Google is a much better 
way to go. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know why it's not po- more popular, but Facebook is the thing and Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to follow the masses. You have to be the sheep in certain things. That is it. I I love Google+. Plus. I mean, Google, it's so much nicer. It's so much easier to do. It is easier. It is, but... Everything with Google is easier. I mean, they own the world, so they're not really worried about whether you use Google+. Oh, oh, right, right. They They, could care less. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, a lot of people are using it, but I just sort of have to... I have to do both right now, you know? Yes. Or, uh, Or what... Five or six of them, actually. Well, yeah, yeah. That's Twitter, just I got to do yeah. Twitter and, and everything. Email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Update my website at the same time to put little that's things true. up on there. So you know, it's uh, it's tricky, but it's it's good and it's rewarding and um, it's time well spent. I think on on all fronts because I end up just meeting people every way that uh, I might not have met before and just talk that's with true. people, even if they don't end up on the show. I just I meet them and. I see what they have to say. I hear new ideas, and I think that's what it's all about. Is just, uh, yeah. I think, really broadening um, your your awareness of what's going oh, yeah, on out yeah. there and, and mean, uh, meeting new people. It's great. Without the internet, I have to admit, it's pretty much changed my life. You know, heck, right. I, I've never been married without it. That's where I went, met my wife. It's awesome. on AOL. You know, <laughs> AOL. That's, <great>. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a name from the past. Yeah, they're still, still out there. Exist. They're still out there, I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're not on, but, uh, on dial-up or anything still, are you? You're uh, you're coming through Skype here pretty well, so I assume you're not on AOL's dial-up or anything. And uh... Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could ever go back to <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, you know, there's uh, Chuck Briggs, who ha- who was doing some narration for me. That's what he had. Oh, or wow. has. And he, ha- he can't really even download the episodes to listen to them. Or it takes forever. He said like it took a week 15 to hours. Yeah, man. And so he, he's dropped out of doing narrating because the only way he can even get me the stuff is through a uh, mail. Man, burn <laughs> a CD. And, yeah, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's too bad because he's really good at it, too. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could never go back to AOL. I, I, I do miss hearing the calling thing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm I'm glad for the way things have moved on as far as that. You know, oh, it, yeah. it, it I, I would have never had any stories published because I could never type. <laughs> really, really, and I'm just now learning how to format. Formatting is not easy for me. Yeah, it's a pain, dude. It is. It uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because not only do you have to come up with good, compelling content, but you got to make it look nice too, visually on the page, and uh, unfortunately, adhere to certain yeah. you know expectations and and things and yeah. conventions. Uh, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, I've I've downloaded, I've talked about the Kindle. I yeah. love uh, getting books, trying new people out because there are a lot of authors out there offering their books up for free, and unfortunately, um, you know, something that's an immediate turnoff is uh, when a book just comes across sort of screwy on the Kindle. Yeah. Or, you know, you yeah. see, you know, so the margins are weird, or maybe there's misspellings, maybe some words are run together. Or you know, unfortunately, you know, that, that turns me off right away, which is a very shallow yeah. thing. Um, no, I, that's everybody, though. And yeah. That, that's why I've tried to stay clear. I was going to do those websites where you put your books on there and stuff, but... I could never figure out how to get rid of the empty spaces, and it, yeah. it was just way too complicated for me. <laughs> yeah, 
So I just load them whatever stories I had. I was just loading them onto my website. I mean, my blog type of thing, and you know, mm-hmm. sending them out through email, which has changed. It's made things so much easier. You don't have to send it through snail mail, you know, which is good. You know, you don't have to wait. Well, you still have to wait, but I mean, at least you don't have to wait nine months to hear back from somebody who says not not going to use it. Right, right. It, it could be next morning when you wake up, they're not going to use it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. I have no idea how I lived, operated, did anything uh, before I was online as as much as I am now. Is is yeah. You know, it's it's so accessible now, and I'm I'm just there for everything, and I I just. Trying to think back, I think it was, you know, literally, you know, high school around that time whenever I was not online at all. And right. I just I just don't know. I can't imagine myself. It's almost like I've I've evolved into some yeah. different sort of person. Oh, unfortunately, we've all become characters in a Philip K. Dick world yeah. or novel. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you mentioned Hammer, and uh, let's just get into yeah. a couple movies here, because okay. uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, and we'll just, uh, uh, being Hammer, I'll just segue that way, um, because uh, this is one, dude, that I had not watched before, and I love Hammer yeah. films. I, I yeah. really enjoy them. Um, but uh, you brought up, uh, in it, at least the U.S., it was called The Devil's Bride. Now, right. when it was first right released, title. yeah, and uh, when it was first released, it was called "The Devil Rides Out." Right. Um, this is a nineteen seventy. Yeah, and it was um, uh, a Hammer film, and uh, actually, it's interesting. I was I was on IMDb here before we talked tonight, and uh, <laughs> I I read why they changed the title. Do you know oh, why yeah? they they changed this uh, when they brought it to the U.S.? Is "The Devil Rides Out"? They were afraid was too much of a uh, a western. Title ah, and American look, audiences. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but uh, the Devil's Bride. I, I mean, both. You know, both fit. Yes. And um, this is because he he even says it in the movie. I believe it's one of the lines, isn't it? Uh, right. At right. the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, and this is a harder hammer film to find. Um, you know, it's not out there like Dracula or right or anything like it's um it's a little bit more obscure. Um, of course, it, it stars Christopher Lee, um, as I think you know, pretty much every Hammer horror film does. And uh, right, of course, I'm, I'm joking. You know, he's not in every one, but he's in a ton. Of ah, Hammer. he's in quite a bit when they could afford him. Oh yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he was their star. Him and Peter Cushing, they were the oh, main yeah. stars. Yep, and they wanted him for everything. Yeah, yeah, and and rightly so. They're they're brilliant actors, both of them. They are, and when they're together, they're oh, really gosh. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have Cushing in this one, but uh, right. reading about this one, Christopher Lee, this was his favorite film that he made with Hammer. Yeah. And I, um, you, you've brought up remakes. Well, he said that he would love to see this film remade with modern techniques where right. he would play an older, more mature Duke uh, whatever his name was. And, La, La Roche. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> hard, he, hard name to even remember. Yeah, but he would love to reprise that role and sort of play, of course, a much, much, much older uh, well, part. <laughs> the problem with that, I don't, nowadays with him, his age, and stuff, I can't see him being that character. I can see him being the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's got the eyes, just like that yes. guy did. Oh, Everybody in that movie, that was perfect 
casting. Perfect. Terrence yeah. Fisher just knew what he was going for because yeah. that was going to be the focal point of the story, anyways. The eyes. Yeah. You know where where you cast a spell on somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah, huge. Um, of course, uh, Terrence Fisher, who is the director of this. Um, now, uh, originally, like we said before, uh, this was uh, or no, we did, we were talking before the show, but uh, yeah. um, this was originally a novel by Dennis Wheatley. Yes. Um, who is little known? He, you know, not a not a lot of people know that name. No, not not over here. Now, in England, he's huge. Hmm. He's huge. Uh, big influence, uh, I believe. I think I've heard Gaiman say he was a big influence on him. I mean, anybody who's written uh, those horror stories who's English know Wheatley, hmm. and they they know his leanings. You know, towards it, it. It's more of a political conservatism than it is hmm. religious, to be honest. Yeah. Because, like I said, I watched that documentary about six months ago, and he, he wasn't all that religious in his own right. He just played the game. Yeah. Hmm. You know, to drum up business, you know, to, to be different from, because at the time of those influence, uh, interviews, it was in the 60s, and he wanted to be different from the counterculture that was going on. Right. So, you know, to be part of the straits as they might recall them uh he 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 but he did wholeheartedly believe that there was a uh satanism influence hmm. even in government because from from that inter, uh that interview or no the uh documentary in the 30s he was running with a guy who was pretty much an english mafioso hmm. low level but you know going to speakeasies drinking and stuff and he meets, of all people, Aleister Crawley, who comes up again in, in my conversation. He comes up a lot in my conversations. I oh, yeah. Well, that. hey. I wonder about that. <laughs> but um, he's, yeah, he met him, and that's who he based that uh, bad guy on. Oh, really? Was, was Crawley, mm. yeah. Yeah, he talked to him in a club, and knowing full well that Crawley was a guy who was heavily influenced by morphine and heroin, whatever drug he could get his hands on, you know, at the time. And uh, talked about uh, all these older dead gods. He, he probably even delved into Lovecraft. Oh, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. To make his own religion, you know? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. It all kinds of, it blends together and you just yeah. sort of, yeah, pick and choose talk here. About, when, yeah. Talk about goat sacrifices and stuff. Oh, which, yeah. Which I want to point out that I don't think that had appeared in, too many movies back then. Yeah, that was uh, that was a huge thing. Um, wow, that uh, that goat. I mean, you see a real goat kind of uh, coming on screen, and yeah. uh, then uh, you know, of course, they they use some film trickery and everything, and and uh, they cut its throat and fill the fill this chalice, this big chalice, up with its <laughs> blood, and then they have sort of this big satanic orgy where they all drink the blood and they're all yeah. convulsing around and stuff. And now I can see why. Um, and I think Rich Mathis, Matheson has said that because you noticed he was his name was writer on that. Yeah, thing. yeah, he adapted this yeah. novel for as a screenplay, and I'm not sure yeah. how much he, you know, how much did he change it or. Uh, let's see. Uh, from what I've read, I think he changed. Well, he had changed quite a bit for the modern at that time, modern times. You know, the, especially the lingo, and mm. you know, a lot of English speak. I don't know if I should say it that way, but you know, yeah. they had to change a lot of the words for a modern audience because not even the English youngsters use that lingo that's in that book. From well, what yeah, I read, yeah, yeah, I've, I've update the language a little bit for. 
I've never read any of the novels, but from what I understand, he he was very heavy handed in his in his writing, I'm which sure. they said he would have been much better at writing boys' adventure and romances. <laughs> but he, what he was good at, Wheatley, was telling a story, mm. just like Ian Fleming. It, it, maybe his grammar's not the best. Maybe his dialogue isn't the best. Well, Fleming is, but Wheatley's dialogue, for our understands, not the best. Oh, yeah. But his story—I mean, he can just—and and they said he could—he could just tell it without having written it. He'd just tell you what the story is from page one to page three hundred, whatever it was, the ending, right there in one sitting. You know, awesome. and come up with the tag. He used to come up with the—he <laughs> used to come up with the publicity. Hmm. You know, amazing. But yeah, the, the, to see the goat being sacrificed and them drinking the blood, I don't think you saw that very often in movies uh, up until, I mean, you know, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, you saw that all the time. But, you know, it, it's such a contrast to what we're going to talk about next, too. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Huge. Which is hilarious. I, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. That I, I, it didn't come to me that I picked both of those. <laughs> Well, I just told you on Facebook that I was watching <laughs> Rosemary's Baby again. I hadn't watched it in years. Yeah. And, and But I'm telling you, Devil's Bride has always been one of my favorites. And me and my brother, Tim, were um, different houses, different areas we've lived in. Watched it three times, and all three times, the lights went out. No way. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was almost always, well, in between. I wouldn't say right to the scene, but it was in between like when the tarantula comes. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. Oh, don't, unfortunately, it looks bad now because of high def. Well, of course. Yeah. But right. when you watched it then on TV, you couldn't tell. I mean, right. you could tell it's a film to a degree, but the way they shot it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This, uh, <laughs> I, I just love love this uh, movie it gives you that creepy satanic thing the whole way it through does. because you oh. start even with the beginning credits yes we see these weird um you know these pagan images of uh-huh. course you know of the um it's sort of the stereotypical satan that we see that's associated a lot with uh, of course right. Aleister Crowley and the church yeah, of satan yeah. and everything yeah, which right. is uh, the baphomet I about him <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and Levey. It's the um, sort of the goat head um, yeah. with uh, sort of the female body, the hands sort of pointing up and down, and he's sort of in a you know cross-legged position. He has the um, the goat feet, and of course all kinds of weird symbols around him. But which, um, which you know they they probably stole that from the Hebrew tarot. Yeah, actually, I looked into this. I was very interested in uh, knowing this Baphomet. Yeah, this yeah. this actually goes way back. This is. Um, I believe it was first a um, sort of a. It wasn't even Satan. I don't think at one point it was. No, some, it was some I, pagan deity, um, um, and uh, shoot, the god of death. I can't remember. It was some yeah something like yeah. that, but it was not the devil at all. No. It, it was not supposed to be that. But it was uh, again. It was uh, it was Levey. It was uh, you know um, uh, Crowley that sort of adopted these images from pagan. Uh, you know, symbols and illustrations that they've seen throughout history, and they just sort of said, "Hey, that looks cool. I'm gonna use that. That's that's yeah. Satan." You know, well, and <laughs> I, I'd say that even Wheatley probably took it from Crawley because he he read uh, his books. Well, the mumbo jumbo that it was. Yeah, he probably didn't couldn't make heads or tails of it. <laughs> yeah, but right. he he saw those symbols and 
and I think from that documentary, he also did his own research Hmm. where he found, and and once again, it's going to lead right into the next thing we're going to talk about because witches Mm -hmm. are are so much a part of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. You know, the white and black magic, you know. Right, right. And uh, the occult, uh, you know, just... And I'm not trying to make anybody mad who's into this thing and you might be into the occult and whatever, but... But it's sort of a it's a mishmash of just sort of picking and choosing weird imagery throughout yeah. centuries and centuries and centuries of so many different sources and Egyptians and pagans and the Druids and you just sort exactly. of pick sort of all these things and you mishmash them together sort of uh, however you feel like at that point in time and that's sort of yeah. what becomes the imagery and symbolism and uh, it's it's really hard I think to uh, get get a grasp on and and. Really, I think form some some really definitive history on how these things have, have evolved because it, it's such such a mishmash. It's like a buffet. Yeah, like I'll take a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it of is. That. It yeah. is. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, with some of the people, like I'm not trying to whatever your belief is, whatever doesn't matter to me. But sometimes they pick these guys to follow. What they don't realize is that they're just con men, like Crawley. He was just out to make a buck so right. he could score the next heroin. That's yeah. it. You know? It, it, it made no sense uh, what he wrote. There's no way he could conjure a dwarf or whatever it is he wanted to to attack you. There's just no way. You, know? you shoot enough heroin and you're going to see dwarves and, and stuff, you know, maybe coming well, out of the wall ask, and whatever. If you I, ask I Steven know. Tyler, he could tell you all the dwarves he's seen that's come through closets to attack him. <laughs> Which is probably why it influenced his reason for being on American Idol. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's you know, uh, or his choice of certain music he's done past few years. You know, but anyways. I, yeah, <laughs> or a paycheck. You know, some sort of income to come in after. Uh, True. That's neither True. here nor there. Uh, True. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there. Oh, well. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Mark, you're. Like minds here, and it, it's sort of scary. Uh, we're we're to sort a degree, of lining but, up to um, a lot of things. But yeah, here. you know, but, uh, Devil's Bride's really one of my favorites. It always has, and yeah. probably had something to do with my upbringing, you know, mm. whatever influence my mom had as far as, you know, her reading the Bible and such. You know, I mean, it was everywhere, mm-hmm. especially oh, yeah. in the 80s. You couldn't get away from oh, things big, like that. Big satanic cult scare in the 80s. There are, That's there are, why, you yeah. know, you... You suggested I was listening to your podcast about the uh, House of the Devil. Yeah, and uh, I was like, no, I'm gonna give this a shot, you know. And you know, I disregarded say, y'all saying that it was um, a slow burn. Mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. know, I had nothing to do that night. <laughs> <laughs> but the way the guy handled it, I don't, I don't remember his name. The director, Ty it West. was good. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Uh, cool. I liked the way he did that, and, and of course, it being set in the '80s. It reminded me, and mm. I remember all that about the ninety percent of the people, especially in America, probably throughout the world, believed that satanic cults had something to do with whatever bad was going on. Oh yeah, dude! I still you know? have clippings from my newspapers back in the eighties really? when I was a little kid. Clippings um, about all these things happening, these these cults that were supposedly happening in the woods, yes. and um, and yeah. things like the music. That kids are listening to nowadays. Here's yeah. what you should listen for in music. If they have uh, th- these sort of beats or these sort of words in them, right. then 
it's probably satanic and you need gotta, to keep your kids away because yeah. they're going to get involved in these cults, you know? And I got to put this out there though, man. I, I, ever I, I've told people, if ever somebody asked me about, you know, what we're doing now, stairway to heaven, come on. There's no way those guys would have, I mean, yes, Jimmy Page is a big Crawley fan, huge into him. I don't think it run into his mind to do backward masking. No. No. In 1971, come on. It, it cost way too much money. It's too much studio time. You're working it, with tape at this point. It's analog. Yes. It's, uh, yes. You know how tough that is to do that? <laughs> and, and you should go on YouTube, see the videos that people make and the points they try to make. It's so silly, you know? And, and even I made the mistake of putting comments on one and, oh, I should never have done that. <laughs> but they're, what they're following, I... I I think his name was Crouch. I can't remember the the, the Reverend Crouch uh, from the early '80s. One of the people who uh, put this out there that they had backward message about uh, following Satan and uh, oh, yeah. what is take me to the tool shed uh, makes Satan or makes a child weak. I can't remember what it is. And it's a certain part of the song, which is uh, I think it's um, where Robert Plant says uh, if there's a, a I can't even remember. A bustle it, in your um, hedgerow. Uh, in your hedgerow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to be, and people point that out, and I'm like, you know, you play something backwards, you're going to hear whatever. You're going to hear what you want to hear. If you go yeah. into this, listening to this, and you're like, there's a message here, I have yeah. to figure it out, you're going to hear what you're wanting to hear, and you're going to be able to justify it. Well, and- this is this is the guy who also, in the same broadcast, I, and I think, uh, it might have been a different one, but uh, and he his videos were up too, uh, from a, a TV show somebody had uh, uh, videotaped it, and he talks about Mr. Ed. I, I, I kid you not, Mr. <laughs> Ed theme song, and he plays it backwards. And um, oh man, what was the name of that guy? Uh, I forgot his name. He used to run all kinds of comedic uh, songs and stuff like Weird Al. Doctor Demento. Yes, I loved played, him. Yeah, I did too. He's the first one to talk about this and how silly it was. And he, he plays Mr. Ed, the theme backwards. And I was, because we used to listen to the radio on Sunday nights. Me too. Was, I'd stay up late from like 10 yeah. to midnight, man. Yeah. Yep. And right, it, it, FM 99, WNOR in Norfolk around here mm. was such a cool station. <laughs> well, for that, not not really for the other stuff. Yeah, that was you about know, it. Paul yeah. notes and stuff, that's not cool. But, <laughs> but they... They had his show on there, and he was talking about this Crouch guy. He was talking about Stairway to Heaven, and he said that he he voiced his concerns about it, you know, parents' concerns, because I think it it was also a feature on Crazy. It was a feature on 2020. I'm sure it was, yeah. And so he played (laughs) Mr. Ed. I was falling asleep, and you wake up quickly, and you hear this, and it scared the crap out of me. And I've never seen Mr. Ed the same. And, and I started kind of thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe Crouch is right about Mr. Ed. Not not Led Zeppelin, but Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed, wow. Yeah, satanic horse. Got to be careful about him. <laughs> amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Such an amazing uh, period of uh, paranoia and just sort of weirdness uh, that was going on back then yes a big influence yeah it, it, i don't know it, i think about it all the time me and my brother and sister uh, brother and sisters 
brothers always talk about stuff like that, uh, especially that 1980s, early 90s. Well, the early, well, that that kind of led into like the whole National Enquirer paranoia. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, with the other crazy stuff going on, Tanya <laughs> Harding and all that. What's O.J. Simpson, which was not as interesting. No, no, no way. Just, just silly. Yeah. But yeah. the whole paranoia of the '80s was was great. You oh, know, yeah. uh, with the with you know, worrying about the Russians. It was there. Were, there were so many dynamics of that. Yeah. That era yeah. that played into and it, you know, is thanks the, to the, thanks uh, to Ronnie, thanks to Ron Reagan, dang. you know. I mean, to be honest, not a bad president. If if you can have half of the public hate you and make fun of you and still make you into a popular president, hey, that's that's great. That says something, you know. That's it does, yeah. it does. And you know, regardless of whether anybody likes or dislikes his politics, he didn't Maybe. care if you did. Right. Not like today. Uh, they they're so worried about it. You know. Oh, he yeah. Didn't give yeah. Crap. But yeah. the whole thing with with the Russians played like everybody was worried they're going to tunnel from Rus- from Russia into Alaska into uh uh what is it? Wisconsin or wherever <laughs> through Canada, you know, and and take over. Yeah. I love it. That's It's so hard at that time, you know, to really see the ridiculousness of it all. That's true. Um, that's true. And, you know, hindsight, of course, is always twenty twenty. you know, and uh, that's true. You're living in that fear and, and just weirdness takes over. It's so hard um, to maintain this objective rationality that yeah. uh, we can kind of uh, take advantage of now looking back. But uh, <laughs> it's just it's something that, uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I live for through, although, uh, you know, it was it was sort of scary. As a kid, yeah. but uh, you know, at the same time, man, man, that uh, it says a lot for why we see what we do in in films. It does, and, and, and everybody's got their own time periods like yeah. that. I'm sure you know, and you're always, as a kid, you're always worried about things the adults are talking about. Right. It, no matter what what adults or psychiatrists have said in the past, that kids don't pay attention, but they do. They always oh yeah, have. and you don't know and what to more believe. So now, yeah. more so now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it. I couldn't even imagine now, and uh, just yeah. uh, raising a son right now. I just, uh, I have no idea. I'm just, man. But uh, I gotta ask you about that uh, with the Devil's Bride. I mean, wasn't that like the perfect cast? Yes. Oh, this was. Um, man, I just can't imagine. Uh, as far as physicality goes, you know, we're talking about, of course, Christopher yeah. Lee, who was uh, perfect right. and how serious and how yeah. just he was so staunch in everything that he did. And his sidekick. His sidekick oh, was yeah. perfect. Yeah. And um, very manly. <laughs> the leader of the cult. Um, what's oh, his name with the blue eyes ass. and everything? I mean, you're talking about the eyes. His eyes, yeah. man. He had that look. Um, that, that, what was it? Cobalt blue or whatever yeah. they call it. Yeah. Wolf gray. Oh. And everybody had like. A type of eyes that was like yes. either really blue, maybe really black, or hazel, which right. came out. And you know, you get. I watched it again um, last night. Uh, I owned a copy that Anchor Bay put out, nice. and they really did a great transfer of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. They, I they, think they that's, did a good job. That's huge, especially for this movie, man. That you get a nice, nice. A clear transfer, something that yeah. that represents a color really well, because that, that's another thing that Hammer is uh, is good for is really vibrant colors. 
using yes. that, especially in the blood. I mean, we see bright, bright red blood. Um, their sets are very, very intricate and very colorful, yep. um, very, and you know, lit, uh, you know, um, you know, sort of not necessarily a, a very high contrast style of lighting. I mean, no, it's a really no. brightly, um, almost a flat sort of lighting. And they only right. they reserve those very um, special moments of high contrast lighting. Well, um, I'll tell for you some special shots. There's a difference in the prints, too, uh, of the films that were shown on TV, uh, like with all stuff from that time period, especially mm. the 70s. You got to see the, the print. And I, you might be able to find it somewhere when it's uh, desaturized because <laughs> it was so bright. So they went to, uh, right. I think, a type of Kodak printing of the, some of those films for various, you know, various uh, outlets. Right. And it's it's so weird how they desaturized it. Like we see the brights now, but when I watched as a kid, it was very dark. You know, mm. the the red was it was red, but it was like a a dark crimson black red. See, it and, wasn't like uh, like a, a red like almost like you're looking at red paint. You know, like no, you know, uh, I can point out a couple movies like Let's Scare Jessica to Death yeah, was yeah. like that. Right. And and Taxi Driver, right? Which they did they did that on purpose, not not Scorsese, but the company because yeah. he shot it so bright, which he's influenced by Hammer. Yeah. I, I I believe he said Hammer was an influence, especially on that film. Mm-hmm. So he wanted that blood because he used Dick Smith as his makeup guy. Oh yeah, and he wanted that blood. He wanted the the action and the violence bright right in your face. Mm-hmm. They saw that guy's finger being shot <laughs> off. Yeah. And they were like, uh, we, we got to do something with this negative, which was a mistake. Mm, because yeah. when they did it to the negative, there's just no way to go back and fix yeah. it. Yeah. Which he, w- he wanted to do for all the releases for DVD. But mm. yeah, uh, uh, ha- Hammer did really well with this. I, it has a sequel, you know? Seriously? Yeah. With, uh, oh man, what is his name? Richard, uh, I can't. For some reason, it escapes my mind. But Christopher Lee's in it again. But oh, no. it's so far removed from it. I think it's to a daughter is born. Oh, um, to the devil a daughter? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, Which I, 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 I may have seen that a while ago. It's not very good. Oh, yeah. It's, and for what I read, it was uh, produced by Christopher Lee's company. Oh, okay. Which he created in like, uh, what, 78 or 77? Uh, when he was pretty pretty popular because of the Dracula movies, you know, yeah. and uh, so he used his influence, and he and he partnered up with uh, Hammer. What he didn't realize it was one of the <laughs> one of the nails in the coffin for Hammer, because yeah. they made uh, almost no money for off of those movies, uh, yeah. off of that one. Yeah, you know, unfortunate. Richard Widmark, that's who it was. Wow. Widmark was the main star. I had but no idea it, it, that was a sequel. I, I know I, I I did watch it at at one point, and it's been a few years, but uh, yeah. and I don't remember much about it. But uh, and it must have been bad. I can't remember actually a single thing about it. Um, but uh, I I, the, I recently watched it on Netflix. Yeah, I, I noticed it was Netflix, on there. I think so. I put it up on my queue um, for eventually. Yeah. I'm going to get around to it. But uh, I remember it uh, sort of captured my attention again um, because. Um, I think White Zombie used um, 
that title in a line to their song in Black Sunshine because uh, really in Black Sunshine it says to the devil a daughter comes one thousand worlds away and so oh, okay. to the devil a daughter comes you know so it's like to the yeah. devil a daughter and I'm a huge White Zombie fan and so I'm like oh yeah oh wow Rob Zombie used that you know as a line so that must be a cool movie and I think I watched it and I, I was probably just not not real impressed with it because again I I just I I don't know. Um, it's not very good. It's, yeah, it, no, but you know it does bad. fit into that to hold a subgenre. Yeah, of the devil worship movies. Yeah, you know? yeah, or devil worshiping paranoia. I guess you should call it. We would yeah. call it Satanism. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, what what this movie? You know, just to give a, a rundown of what this is about because it, it's sort of simple, but it, I mean, it, there's a lot of complex things that happen throughout the film. But yeah. Uh, yeah. We have uh, sort of what is supposed to be the reunion of three friends here in yes. in Britain somewhere, and uh, they're three kind of well-to-do guys. You know, they're they're pretty well off, um, and two of them get together and they're like, "Well, where is what was his name? Simon. Simon. Like, where's Simon? Yeah, he's the son. He was the son of yeah. their other partner who had died. And yeah, they vowed. They were close with his father, yeah. so they they planned on getting together with with the son with Simon." And they, neither of them had heard from Simon in like three months. They said, you know, where, I don't know. Well, let's just go to his house. Let's just see what he's doing right now. Okay. So they go to his house and he's at this weird meeting. He's holding some weird party. And he's yeah. like, well, I'm going to have to throw you guys out because we're about to, you know, hold our meeting. You can't stay. And there's a lot of weird vibes going on. And right. um, it actually ends up that, uh, this uh, meeting that he has had is actually a devil worshiping cult. That, right, um, he's supposed to get his uh, blood Christianing. Yeah, that was sort of his. Uh, that was his mm-hmm. initiation right there. That was uh, yep. the thing that was going to get him in, and he was going to change his name. He was going to be forever identified with this cult, and um, and so uh, the uh, the two others, you know, they they realize that this is what's going on. They're they're suspicious right. and. They sniff this out right away. I mean, this is, I mean, everything I'm saying, this isn't in like the first 10 minutes of the movie because it right. happens really one, fast. One of, the, one of the main things through the whole movie is playing on people's uh, not believing. Right. That's right. what the bad guy is doing. And it, it, the, the, the sidekick of us, Christopher Lee, he's the, he's the one that uh, actually kind of helps the bad guy along, mm. in, in yeah. other words, because he doesn't believe that. In the modern world, or 1930s modern yeah. world, <laughs> Satan? That's that's uncalled, you know, no way yes. that would happen. I believe in evil day. only as a concept, you know, only as an idea. Yes. And they have the yeah. whole... Con- and then, and then yeah. it goes to the son-in-law who's right. helping him along the way. Yeah. He, unbeknownst, he doesn't know that. <laughs> and it's it goes along... Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, the whole rest of the movie is basically them trying to rescue this guy out of this cult. And it is, in fact, yeah. a cult. This is true. This is going on. Um, and I, I think some of my favorite scenes um, are the ones where they conjure certain spirits. Yeah. Uh, the first time that they conjure that spirit, um, it's sort of vague. You don't right. really know what's going on. You just know that right. it's some sort of spirit that is conjured sort of in the middle of this uh, you know, circle of uh, uh, the symbols that is on the floor in this observatory. And yeah. he appears out of smoke, and I love Wasn't that, that scene. Great? Oh, just and and, and, uh, and before that, when they find the cockerels, yes. the uh, white and black speckled cockerel that they're going to 
yeah uh sacrifice that that was oh. that was really good and yeah. um yeah don't look in his eyes that's and always he, been he had the the yellow eyes i mean this guy mm. that was where did they find him it was so freaky because he was just standing there now just to you know anybody that hasn't seen this it's a black guy and he's yeah. uh, he's almost uh, sort of genie like um sort of yeah. how he's made up he's bare chested and sort of has these uh I, I don't know sort of um almost middle eastern sort of pants going on and something but he's just there <laughs> and he has his arms crossed right and he's just looking and he has these yellow eyes and then well, when I was he starts uh, smiling. That was, that was scary. Oh, yeah. To me, it was. Uh, it's, it scared it was me now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I, well, I'm, I'm still seeing that guy in my... I'm trying to go to sleep at night, and I'm like, yeah. the yellowed guy smiled at me. Freaky. You know. Wow. Also, the uh, older woman smoking a cigar was freaky. Oh, my gosh. I was trying to figure out which way she was looking. You know, she yeah, was... Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Uh, but uh, I, I bet you I know where they found him. Uh, Christopher Lee was probably going to some parties and met with a Black Panther and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he, yeah. he was free yeah but I just like that depiction of an evil spirit of a demon I mean he was basically a demon yeah and uh, demon. they didn't even say he was but they knew he was evil yeah he was I think Christopher Lee said it was like some sort of malevolent spirit or something like that um, right but uh, you knew he was demonic. And I liked how they depicted that. Um, in the 60s, you know, we see this demon. He's fairly passive. He's standing there, and he is very threatening, and he's smiling, and right. he's really freaking you out, and he is luring you in. He sort of wants right. to get you close enough. And what's going to happen when you get too close, a little too close to him? And that, that's the horror to me. Whereas today, to me too. If, they yeah. were, if, if they were going to depict some uh, demon, malevolent spirit that was conjured up, they would do it, I think, far more aggressively. This demon, they I think, would. would be more vocal, more gruesome. Well, and every, ever, you know, ever since Freddy Krueger, all monsters yeah. have to talk. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. they gotta say a line that would come out from a sitcom. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I just love how subtle this demon was because that was so scary to me. And, and the whole movie is subtle. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Even getting to Satan. I mean, later on we see who, I mean, that, that, that that's the Satan. The goat man? Yeah, and that is, yeah, it's, that it's sort good. of, it's a uh, depiction of the uh, the Baphomet character that we were talking about earlier. It was the goat right. head, the, uh, you know, the guy sort of sitting there cross-legged, and, and uh, it was it was really, really freaky. Again, he didn't say anything. He just sort of no, looked around. and just it was, looked. It was his eyes. It was his demeanor. And uh, I have to admit, though, I I liked it in the movie, the way they solved their problems. It wasn't all necessarily shooting or, you know, killing people, maiming them, maiming the enemy. It was all solving it with their heads, with with his mind. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, Even if it was just simple. (laughs) And it was. You know, and that's, I think, the charm in this yeah. uh, you know it it's not much different from harry potter i mean exactly exactly he solved everything with his mind but he, he cast spells yeah. and it got him out of situation so you know yeah. not much different from a private detective shooting and fighting his way out you know right right things got to be simple for the public anyway you know if it's yeah well that's yeah exactly exactly like what we were talking about you know <laughs> but but this was a good story 
It yeah. was. It was a great story. I mean, they just kept it going. The plot kept going. Um, I thought the pacing was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, you sort of, it was a roller a good coaster ride. Minutes. Yeah. It's a good 90 minutes. Film. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, very entertaining. It comes to a very, I mean, the, the, the ending, I don't want to spoil anything, but man, <laughs> it wraps it up in a, with a nice little bow and everything right at the yeah. end. And um, well, it's a very that's, positive. That's, that's Richard Matheson's training <laughs> if you read the <laughs> yeah. stories. Right. And right. the Twilight Zone, they all got that somewhat, well, Twilight Zone was more surprise ending. Yeah than this but it's got an ending right, you know right. it doesn't just go off with uh the the, the devil worshippers getting away like most movies would today oh you yeah know? it doesn't you know leave a saying? question it's not a cliffhanger no. sort of ending where it's you're not. questioning things you know exactly i mean that's the end right there and they've wrapped exactly. it exactly um and, uh, and and left it uh to the possibility of coming back oh absolutely but not not in an overt way you right. know Right. You just would see him coming back in a new adventure, right? A new Satan worship, right? Cult, right. you know. But yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's a good contrast to uh, to Polanski's uh, Rosemary's oh, Baby. It is. Hey, which, before we get into is, that, uh, um, I just wanted to bring up one thing, just because we talked about Monty Python before, and this is going to be right. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, the way that they sort of did away with uh, the first demon that was uh, conjured up that we talked about and with the devil who was there <laughs> is they threw the cross at their face. Yes. And they yes. Sort, of, sort of blew up. Um, for some reason, and actually the, as soon as I saw the first one, I, all I could think of was the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> and I'm like, basically this cross is like the holy hand grenade. You know, yeah, I mean, they, they basically it throw was. it and they... The, the bad spirits blow yeah. up. Um, yeah, so, right. uh, you know, I don't know if John Cleese or, you know, uh, you know Eric Idle or anybody was, was uh, watching this and sort of got maybe sort of a little inkling of inspiration. It's um, a possibility. Let me <laughs> tell you, you, you find out a lot of things are linked in that way. Yeah, and it's I might be hilarious. stretching things a little bit, but all I could just, in my twisted mind, all I thought of was they just lobbed the holy hand grenade of Antioch here at uh, at this demon <laughs> and at the devil, and and they blew up, because that's what it was, you know. It's uh, Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, yeah. and, you know, uh, of course, Python would have taken it so many different ways, <laughs> Yeah, especially with the guy, uh, the demon with the eyes. You know, right, right. Don't look in his eyes, but they might be looking at his crotch. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I'd love to see what Python would have done with a film like this. I mean, that's oh, just, the oh, woman with God. the cigar. You, you know, Terry Jones would have played her. <laughs> yes, he, uh, he definitely would have. Yeah, yeah. A Pepper Pot version, of course. Oh, but, of course, you know. of course. But a brilliant film. Thank you, Mark, for bringing this. Up. I mean, uh, like I said, this is the first time I've seen it. And yeah. I love Hammer, and I, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm just maybe not quite such a Hammer horror fan as I thought I was. Oh no, I probably seen are. It. It's just they had so much. I mean, I bet you didn't even know they did serials. Uh, yeah. no, like pirate, no. they did pirate movies. Wow, they did Private Detective, and they did all kinds of stuff. You know, but they they just found their niche in horror. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So. A fantastic film. I recommend if you can find it out there, uh, you gotta watch it uh, again. Christopher Lee's favorite of all that he did, and that says a lot. Um, and uh, enjoyable for both of us. And uh, that leads us in, man, to uh, a movie right around the same time. 
uh, yeah, you know, late only 60s. three years before. Oh my gosh, Rosemary's Baby, and I'm so glad you brought this up like just a few nights ago when we were talking on Facebook, and yeah. uh, I'm like, I have been waiting to talk about this at some point. You know, I've been doing podcasting a lot of years, and I've just been waiting for an excuse to talk about this film with somebody, and it's just never come up, and all of a sudden... I have an excuse, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I just uh, love that I can because this is one of my favorites uh, coming out of this era. So um, you've uh, you watched? It. Is this the first time you watched it, or have you seen? Oh, it Oh no, before? no, 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 no. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was a kid, well, maybe teenage, but mm -hmm. it the uh, Polanski's influence on that, or not just him, but that film over the the whole genre is just huge. Shadow. Mm -hmm. Anytime you talk about Satanism and making a, a, a Satan's baby, it was the first. Yeah. And it was such an oddball idea, I'm sure, to publishers when IR11 wrote the book and sent it to them. They were probably like, what's this guy taking? What, I mean, was he drunk when he wrote it? Because, right. you know, nobody really thought of stuff that – I mean, yes, it was out there probably – but in the masses, you know, I, I doubt I doubt the uh, two construction workers back then were discussing witches creating Satan's baby to take uh, over the world. Right. All right. You know, not like like now, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, R. Levin, that, that, he was kind of a genius on, I mean, he wrote Stepford Wives. Ridiculous <laughs> idea, but he made it work, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. And he wrote... Uh, uh, what was it called? The the Diddly Kiss or uh, I forgot the, w what that one was. But that was a really good uh, noir oh. novel, you know, uh, about changing. I think it was uh, changing wives or I, I can't remember. It's been so long. But I mean, we're talking about he 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 took this idea of a young couple creating a baby or wanting to create a baby, wanting to get their lives started. I, I don't think they'd been married very long. No. But one of the things you got to talk about in this movie, though, is the casting, too, yes. of Cassavetes. Oh, my gosh. That was Brilliant. genius. Oh, yeah. now, I, I think Polanski probably regretted it because they, they hated each other. Really? Yeah, they couldn't. No, Cassavetes did not buy into that whole I'm an artist thing. To him, hmm. I mean, he did to an extent. Yes, he thought he was an artist. But the whole thing, like down to the guy who was... Fixing your lunch on the set, he was an artist to him. And oh, wow. he, he wasn't into belittling people like yeah. Polanski would be. Right. And the argument, uh, Mia Fair <laughs> watched her <laughs> talk about this. Polanski, as we all know, loved women. Oh, yeah. But didn't love them in, right. in a good sense. Right. You know, and the conversation, I don't know how that probably started. It was probably direction to Cassavetes, how he's supposed to be. And I'm sure he took offense to that, that this guy's telling him how to act. And he's been acting for, you know, 20 years or 15 years. And he's, he was a kind of fairly known director himself, mm -hmm. you know, making these low-budget independent films, art films. And this guy probably told him, you know, you're supposed to kind of disrespect her. I think that's what Mia Fair had said. And he, you know, he said, I would never disrespect my wife. And, and you know, of course, Polanski is like... Please, they're just, you know, women. Right, right. <laughs> you know, of course, he's, you know, he's from Europe and 
that time period, I'm sure that was their way of thinking. But, yeah, you know, the whole argument about that and, and it turned into much bigger rivalry through the whole set. Amazing. It was uncomfortable. But, I, you know, watching it years ago, I always thought that he just had a small part in the film. But watching it uh, a couple of nights ago, actually, Cassavetes is in it quite a bit. Yeah. Almost the entire film. Right. Uh, which, But uh, I got to say this, though. I'm not a Ruth Gordon fan. Yeah? I don't think I would have cast her. <laughs> I mean, she was a good contrast, especially to Mia Fair's character. Mm-hmm. She was annoying. That was that she did her job. <laughs> I think that's that's the big point is she she but, sort of communicated but that. If you see Ruth Gordon and other stuff, uh she's annoying there too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, she was pretty good in that my bodyguard, I have to admit. Yeah, that, that's that's a great movie. She wasn't really in that as much, but I always remember her when she was on Taxi. <laughs> wow. That episode of Taxi. And I think the main character, Alex, she wanted to date him or something. I don't know. The, the woman was basically 100 by, back then. <laughs> you know, it was very creepy. But, yeah. you know, in Rosemary's Baby, the way he cast all those old actors, mm-hmm. the, the, they mostly were like, you know, not, not big name actors. Right. They were all, except for, I think, the guy that played Roman. That, that, I think I can't remember his name. But he I was, think he's, yeah, he was a big name. He did uh, oh, a lot yeah, of a lot yeah. of stage, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he did a lot, but I yeah, yeah. Of course, I haven't done as much uh, research as I probably should have for well, the show. But to, to know, you know, but for that, uh, I don't think you really need to. I mean, we just know him as that part, right? Right, and I think but I, I he think, was creepy. It, it was, and I think, you know, you're right. You made a good point in that they did their jobs, man. They did exactly what they needed to be doing in their they parts did. to really yeah. move this story along and give you this feeling, this weird feeling, because you knew from, uh, you know, Roman and everything, you know, you got this weird feeling. You thought, oh, maybe they're just sort of these these nosy neighbors, and yeah, they're just happy to have this young couple because <laughs> they're so old. And they're just so happy to be living beside this young couple. And so maybe, yeah, they're a little nosy. They're a little overbearing. But that's to be expected. Okay. And you're playing along. And um, But uh, things change. And, I mean, I just love that this movie, you're you're questioning, um, you know, Mia Farrow's character because... You're like, is uh, is this real? Is uh, is there actually something going on here? She was, does she? Is there anything that lends credence to this whole cult thing, or is she crazy? Well, hey, she, you know? she she definitely her character was very uh, little girl like. Oh, very naive, innocent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but once she realizes, she was smart about how she solved her problems too. Oh yeah, you know, even and well, again, you know, it, she didn't do anything like maiming people or cutting their hearts out <laughs> like yeah. in the 80s they would have had that oh of but course yeah she 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 solved her problem with her her head you know which was you know in in a realistic way probably the way a woman who probably never been to college or anything like that you know well, probably, yeah. at even, that point probably never held a job right even at the risk you know? of of sounding completely crazy which she did I mean, yeah. to everybody, I mean, she's going on about there are people out to get me. There's a plot out there yeah. against me and my baby, and you have to stop these people. And Did, uh, uh, did you notice who 
<laughs> who played the her first choice as a doctor. Oh. It was Charles Grodin. Seriously? Yeah, that's Charles Grodin with a pencil mustache. <laughs> oh my god! And he was good. He was good in that. I've seen this so many times, and I didn't even yeah, I, I I didn't even notice. Well, that's I just amazing. noticed it actually. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was. He was. <laughs> oh. I, I, I probably no. I don't, I'm not going to give anything away. It, it was just the one point, you know, when she goes to him. Mm-hmm. It was a good plot point. Yeah, what oh, happened oh, afterwards? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I just love, you know, again, um, this movie. I mean, would you call this a slow burn? You know, and it, you know, I called, yeah. I called House of the Devil. You know, real slow burn. There's a lot of story there. A lot of things. Yeah. Not I a lot of. Not but there, really. there's not a lot of real visceral gut things that pop up to get you real no, but scared. There, but there are a lot of lot there, of visuals. <laughs> there's a lot of tension there going on in a lot he, of other ways. The way Plansky did film it was really good. He, you know, one of my favorite parts I gotta say is the um, the orgy scene. Mm-hmm. You know, when she wakes up. Oh yeah. And she goes, "Oh, this is no dream." This is really happening. It's so yes. funny. It's such a funny line. Right. But so relevant to it, too, you know. Right. So, I mean, he probably brought that in there, too. He, oh, I'm sure. More than likely, he probably thought it was just a another job, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he was going to do the best he could to make the money. And they probably had no expectations that this would make money, I, I, other than being a, you know, go to the drive-ins type of right. thing. Right. Because, um, oh, shoot, what is his name, that producer who did uh, House on Haunted Hill? And, oh, I can't remember his name. In the 50s, he was kind mm. of a rival to Roger Corman. He did The Tingler and oh, William, man. I should know. William something. I, I can't remember his name. He, he actually produced this. He was going to direct it himself. Oh, man. And Paramount took it away from him because they said, no, nah, we want somebody who might do a better job with it. <laughs> wow. Well, no, I mean, for what he had when he produced and did his own movies, uh, low budget, he did pretty decent, I thought. Yeah. I mean, they're not great films, The Tingler, but they're 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 fun, and, and that that's what he meant to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he makes an appearance in the movie himself. Do, do you remember the part where uh, she's in the phone booth? Yeah, and the guy appears outside? The old man. Yeah, when is that him? let somebody in, that's him. Oh. That's the producer of the film. I yeah. totally thought I, a cigar. <laughs> uh, because th- that's that's a scene where um, you totally thought he was going to be somebody out to get her, you know, that he was going to play yeah. into it. And they the way they shot it and the dialogue and everything, you sort of they lead to that where all of a sudden yeah. this guy appears, his back is turned and you're like, oh, my God, this is somebody who's on to her who, you know, as soon as he, she well, steps out of the phone booth is going to get her, But he ends up just being. Nobody. Yeah. Else, also, you know, also one of the best parts of the of the story is um, <laughs> when uh, her husband Guy, right? I think mm-hmm. his name's Guy. Yeah. He was up for a part, and another actor got the part. And I guess he was talking to Minnie and Roman, and they probably convinced him of what to do and how to get this part. And uh, that actor goes blind. Yes. And she, and then later on, she calls the actor. To ask him <laughs> if he was doing any better, right? And that right. was a surreal, surreal moment, though. Oh. And how she handled that was was so 
like anybody would. You, you would just abruptly say, well, I have to hang up now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love, you know, going back again to the 60s. And just yeah. seeing, again, the yeah. way that they talked, the way that fashion was, the way that they acted. I mean, you know, hey, congratulations, you're pregnant. Here's a glass of wine. Exactly. You know, you know what I mean? And, it's like, and, and everybody's smoking around her. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. And, she's, but what they give her to drink and eat. Oh, yeah. What about this uh, What about this Tannis root? Oh, man. Um, that is something that has appeared throughout the, the years uh, in a lot of fiction and, and uh, you know, people talking about witches. The yeah. Tannis root has appeared bef- long before, in the 1400s, they talked about oh, using really? it as medicinal. Yeah, for what I read, uh, for, as medicinal purposes. So this is so an this, actual, I mean, like, herb or something somewhere? Uh, is this, yeah, is this I, real? I can't or? remember. I, I think so, but I can't. It's a fungus, but I can't remember if it's... Uh, if our eleven created that name himself, but it's based on something else that's got a Latin name to it, which you know people in villages used, you know, because wow. you didn't have real doctors in right. the 1400s. You know, basically you had witch doctors. Right. I mean, right. they didn't call themselves that, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, but she, that's... yeah. I've never yeah. heard of this uh, the Tannis root. And I well I had and actually uh, watching this movie again I'm like I've heard of the Tannis root and I'm looking it right. up on the internet and even if you try to Google it right now I mean it's sort of sketchy you know nobody really knows oh, yeah. where it's coming from so I'm like where does the Tannis root come from and um, actually I have heard it time and time and time again uh, I'm a big fan of the band Fish uh, oh, jam oh, band okay. yeah. there's a song that they have called the Squirming Coil and they refer to the Tannis root. At one point, and I've sung this song over and over again, and I, I just really, really like. And so, just going back and thinking that I've listened to these lyrics, and I never knew what a tannis root was, and I just thought it was some weird thing that you know fish thought of and whatever. It was some, and then realizing that this is this weird, uh, enigmatic sort of thing popping up in Rosemary's Baby, and then. <laughs> You know, of course, the, it's it's so uncertain what the history is here. Nobody really knows where this came from. Never, it just makes it that much cooler. Um, you know, right. being that uh, you know it worked its way into fish, and I know that if, you know one of my favorite bands well, now, of course, probably watched Rosemary's Baby and got it from that, or they were reading oh, something yeah, sure. extremely obscure well, and cool that they maybe, picked it up from. I don't know. Maybe one of them read this book because I've read it, you know, throughout you know my teenage years. It's oh, yeah. called The Golden Bow. Oh, okay. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No. But it's sort of like a Bible of occult stuff. But but from not from like the Crowley point of view. It's it's sort of it, it presents itself as a um this is what happened, kind of like a uh a reporter's look into it. Okay. It's it's very nonfiction mm-hmm. and it does go on the fact that this stuff was real. But oh, wow. it, it gives a lot of information, uh, historical things that have happened, mm. you know, and where stuff comes from. So it, it's an interesting book, you know, and that's I think that's where I, I'd seen it in the Tannis route. Wow. You know, wow. Well, discussing witches. Man, just talking with you and everything we've uh, spoken about tonight, man, I have so much to read. Wow. I've, <laughs> well, 
Well, man, that's man. that shouldn't be high up on your list. <laughs> to be no, honest, I, oh, but um, you know, going through actually, I think one of the coolest parts of the movie to me, and I, it's it's almost uh, I don't know, it's just something that I really really like, and uh, I'm probably actually going to play at the beginning of this podcast is uh, <laughs> the end of this movie when oh, it's yeah. it's just blown wide open. They are devil worshiping cult members. And they're like, hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan. I just year love one. I mean, year one, hail Satan. <laughs> I love that they are just wide open, like, hail Satan. And they're all just so ecstatic about it. Um, yeah. It's such a, it's, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's scary and it's weird in the context of this movie. But looking at it now, it's like, um. I don't know. It's sort of like I just sort of got some weird enjoyment from that, just uh, being well, this blown open hell Satan sort of cult. Think of this: what if Theta took the characters from The Devil's Bride with this? LaRouche would have saved her. Yeah, yeah. Actually, they're so different. Um, just they uh, are. They yeah, are. It, yeah, it's, especially, it's it's a lot of. It, 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 it's hard to point out, but it, it's kind of um, differed in the fact that probably because of Roman and Polanski's influence on the film, the way they handled the thing, yeah. it, the way it ends, her choice at the oh, end. Oh, man, is, yeah. It's scary, but it's also kind of funny. It is. It's it's funny. And, and I think one thing that uh, has always, I don't know if it's bothered me or it's sort of made me happy the way that they shot it, but... Uh, I wanted to see that baby, you know, and you <laughs> well, don't, you don't the see funny it. Thing is, you imagine our 11, our 11 did write a book, a sequel to it. There's uh, a sequel to Rosemary's baby as well. It, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The son of Rosemary is what it's called. I've never read that. I've read Rosemary's baby and I've listened to the audio book, which was really good. That was back in the mid nineties. when I listened to that on a road trip somewhere. The woman who was narrating it had this really creepy, um, raspy voice that went with the book. Oh man! And she was doing the voices. Oh. Wow. Now, when she come to the voice of Ruth Gordon's, she actually did it the way Ruth Gordon <laughs> would do it. Nice. But other than that, it was very creepy the way she read, uh, read it. But the son of Rosemary shows. I, I think. Okay, from what I remember, I heard them people talking about it. It starts with them growing up. Uh, her raising the baby by herself because Guy, obviously, he had to give his life for what happened. Wow. You know, I yeah. think. I think that's what happened. Well, usually in those kinds of stories, he wouldn't have survived anyway. Uh, right, right. You know, because he, he made a deal and wasn't the right choice. Yeah. And he, he got what he wanted. He was a pawn yeah. in the whole grand scheme of things and just had to, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah. wasn't very bright. <laughs> no, no. But he, but he didn't care anyway because what he wanted was a pool, you know. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. You know the pool, the the Hollywood scene that he was going to get in the end. You know that's what he wanted. Movies, television, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I like the way that ended. Uh, it was it was it was a good contrast to the Devil's Bride. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. quite as heroic of an ending. No, not at all. It, uh, you know, but you know what it fit. More than anything, that that whole story and the ending, it fit Tales of the Dark Side to a T. Exactly. 
I had no idea. I mean, even the final seconds going yeah. up because uh, Rosemary again. I, I'm I'm gonna try not to give too much away here, just in case anybody, you know, has their head up their ass and just haven't you know hasn't seen this. <laughs> but um, you know, Rosemary, you you're thinking that she is one way up until the final seconds of the film, and then she changes yeah. all of a sudden, and it's very all of a sudden. it's very creepy. And it's very because, weird, but it's very fitting in the same way. It's a great ending. Yeah. Well, you know, the way the character of Roman played on her mother, motherly instincts, you know. Right. Need, right. Needs a mother. Right. Hey. Right. You know, uh, what choice would you have made? Yeah, I probably would have yeah. dropped him out of the 50-story uh, building that they lived in, you know, <laughs> out of fear. Yeah. You know, but, you know. A man's instincts would be different from a woman's anyway. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I just, myself, on a personal level, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it because I'm a guy. And it's really, <laughs> really hard for me to eh. to truly understand not, a lot of that. You know, Some of it. Some of it, eh, not really. I mean, it comes to you as a father, too. I it mean, does. It does. You but, know, it might take you a little longer. But once, once, you know, once a child starts talking, it's like immediately you're like, Oh, and you know, oh yeah, you could, yeah. you could share things with them, and have a conversation, and yeah, yeah, yeah. have a lot of a yeah. lot of fun talking with my daughter, you know, about something, trying to get her into things I'm into. Oh, how old's your daughter? Uh she's thirteen. Oh wow, I believe it. Yeah, man, you're gonna yep. you're uh, sort of on the verge of some some crazy years here. I think. Uh, maybe I don't know. She's yeah. she's really a good kid she's cool. she's been a good kid she hasn't had done any any horrible things at all good you know and contrast to <laughs> her being her terrible twos but you know yeah. hey that's where I'm i am sure right I'm now with my way. boy yeah i'm, I'm oh uh, really i have terrible a two-year-old twos? oh yeah he just turned two uh, uh, a few months ago and man it's uh it it won't <laughs> end until he's like five or six that's what everybody starts you know everyone's yeah. been telling me i'm like it is bad right now and they're like well you don't know bad yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. i think when they turn six it's like the choices all of a sudden pop to them it's like eh, they get mad when i do that maybe i should tell me there is you know? some sort of rationality some sort of uh, you know good and bad decision making that sort of swings toward the good at that yeah. point you know yeah. that uh yeah oh all right, only like four more years, so I'm... <laughs> uh, well, you know, before you know it, you'll sort of be used to it. Yeah. In a way. Well, in you, a way. you adapt it every... I mean, every day you sort of adapt. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 actually amazing, and I love it. You know. Oh, I yeah, do. and they surprise you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I get surprised all the time by, our, by Zoe, and one of the things we share a lot is uh, because, you know, watching and, and getting her into animated films... Is uh, like Tim Burton. Nice, you know? nice. And we we went and saw. Um, oh man, what is his remake of uh, the Boy and the Dog? I, I can't believe I forgot the title. Uh, recently, a few months ago, um, you know where the boy uh, did the Frankenstein thing. And oh yeah, yeah. I saw the on. trailer for that. Um, yeah, I know it was like a black and white sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, animate. Yeah. Um, Franken. Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie. Yeah. 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 Well, he did a remake of his own short film, which was live action, and that that was good. And I showed it to her when she was. Oh, it was a mistake. 
<laughs> because she had nightmares of, you know, uh, which yeah. uh, understandably, because it's got mm. Frankenstein's influence. Right. The original Frankenstein from the 1930s. Well, original, mm. it's hard to say original. <laughs> but that, that version from 19, what was it, 36, 37, yeah. 34? I yeah. Remember. yeah. And it's got the windmill action and, you know, oh, wow. I, I can see that as being, I wish I'd have known. <laughs> but, you know. It probably has put her in a way. Maybe she'll get into that gothic, yeah, southern gothic horror. Well, yeah. I call it southern gothic because where we're at. But right. you know, maybe she'll get into that gothic horror. Maybe she, maybe she'll be the one to finish Frankenstein because I have never finished it. <laughs> I, I can yeah. never get past chapter five because yeah. of the the style it's written in. But it's tough. It is. It yeah. is. But I I do enjoy. I'm gonna tell you, Dracula by Bram Stoker. It's, yeah, it that's like a great a 20th book. century novel. No kidding, it's man. It's really good. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. It is. But, you know, we uh, I just bought uh, the DVD of um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. And we used to enjoy that all the time. I love that movie. It's so much it's fun. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Tim Burton's really good. He's, yeah. you know, of course, <laughs> shared the same influences of Hammer. Right, right. You know, because he did Sleepy Hollow. That was his version of a Hammer film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, man. Yep. Oh, but Mark, man, this has been absolutely amazing. And uh, just, this is the first time we've actually physically spoken. And, yeah, um, right. you know, up before tonight, it was just a lot of, uh, you know, Facebook and email, whatever. But Emails, um, yeah. Oh, but man... I have been more than pleasantly surprised with uh, oh, okay. how well, this is going. I mean, good. it's it's been, oh, man. Well, I just sort of I, was, I, I sort of don't want to end this, you know. Well, I, I was I was surprised that I could actually remember names. You were brilliant, dude. You're, you're it's just uh, like because, I need to shut up and just let you sort of run things here. Oh no, because, uh, no, never, never. Because seriously, I, I if you ever listen to the podcast when I did narrate, I was very aware of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hated it. Oh. I mean, I wanted to do it, you know. Right. And the whole idea, whole idea of of doing that podcast was I was talking to, you know, my friend Dominique, mm. you know, Cassiola, right. and we were talking about how, you know, how to get our stories out there and stuff. And it just came to me because I'd heard you doing it, mm. you know, on, you know, tales from the electric chair, and then Seth Harwood was doing his audio books like that. Which got him big contracts, right? You know, and and a couple others, and I was like, "Why don't we do that?" You know, yeah. I was like, and 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 I, I told him, I, you know, I'm tired of being rejected by these other podcasts. Who, in my opinion, I mean, not being egotistical, but sometimes those stories on some of those podcasts were bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, we couldn't do any worse. I mean, just why do not? your own. Yeah, I mean, just. Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, you know, we'll just do ours. And then, of course, I had the idea of, like, asking other people that I was friends with on Writer's Cafe. And there was one guy I really wanted to do his stories. His, it, he won't go by his real name. I don't know why, but he goes by the uh, name of Rourke. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever listened to I did one of reading of his, and I really ruined it. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I did. But uh, last week, I think it was last week. Uh, yeah, it was the second podcast of last week I did. Um, his story, Chowder, <laughs> was satirical, you know, horror story. And he doesn't write horror. He writes satire. Hmm. But 
he said, hey, I wrote this one thinking of you. Why don't you use it on, on the podcast? And I was like, when I read it, I was like, this is hilarious. This old woman's running around on a beach scooping <laughs> up children and cooking them as a chowder. <laughs> and I, I tried to get one, uh, I think it was Chuck, uh, who was doing the, um, I sent it to him. And I said, hey, you know, this story is only like, you know, 200 words minimum. That's what it was. Hmm. I said, you know, do a quick read. And he sent it back to me. He said, nah, I don't, I don't care for it. He said, that's too gruesome. I don't like things that happen to children. And I was like, okay, no problem. And then I just said, ah, you know, I'll do it. I'll do, do it myself. And, you know, yeah. No, I didn't do that one. What am I saying? I didn't do that one. <laughs> I was going to. I actually, uh, you I sent should. It to Earl. You should. No, I did uh, it to Earl. Uh, oh, okay. I sent it to him, and he did it. And he, he did it really good. Earl's the other guy that does Earl Wynn. Mm-hmm. He's like a one man show with publications. He has his own publishing company. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Thunder Rune. And uh, he published a lot of my stuff on his websites, and he did the thing. I don't know what I was thinking. Why did I think I did it? I, I did uh, Gonzalez's, Daniel Gonzalez's story, which was uh, pretty good, like an animated. Um, it, it was a tribute to anime is what it was, cool. his science fiction. And it was good. It was pretty good. Uh, some of the other stuff he sent to me, uh, I had a hard time because I, I can't bring myself to say obscenities. Right, right. Yeah, I know what you I mean. mean. I, say I them, know what you mean. I yeah. say them every day. I say them every day and talking, but to record myself, nah, yeah, just can't touch it. It's different. It's different. It is. But uh, yeah. Well, dude, thanks for what you're doing, man. Dark dreams. Okay. Um, uh, keep it up, dude. It's um, I love it. I really do. Thanks. And, I appreciate um, it. It's and you know, hopefully we keep getting some people. I'm you know yeah. talking to uh, Lucius Shepard. I got one of his stories. He was nice. real nice about it. You know, so hopefully we get that up soon. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep right. listening, and I hope everybody out there uh, does as well. But, okay. uh, Mark, you have been uh, nothing short of brilliant tonight. I mean, uh, uh, thanks, uh, but, you know. <laughs> and please tell me that you'll do this again, that we can, uh, we can uh, speak again. Yeah, I'll try to. Just, you know, uh, I, I, probably, so. I probably won't be as nervous about it, but. I mean, once you get me started on movies and stuff, it's not that hard to... Nervous is is not anything that even crossed my mind when it came to uh, describing you tonight, because uh, <laughs> you've just been incredible. I'm serious. I mean, you've been you've been wonderful, man. Um, well, you know, I was worried that I, it was going to be a lot of silences, because, you know... <laughs> no way. No way. It's been great, and uh, of course... Okay. We've talked about two great movies tonight. Of course, uh, yeah. The Devil's Bride, Devil Rides Out, however you can find it. Great film. And, great of film. course, Rosemary's Baby, which is regarded by many as classic and legendary. It is classic. It's, yeah. it's really good. It's one of yeah. Polanski's best. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And ignore everything Polanski. Yeah, personally, I, you know, he's a yeah. troubled man. He's a really troubled he's man. troubled, but he brought the choices on himself. Except for the you whole know. Manson thing with you uh, know, yeah, except for that. Uh, yeah, no, like that, I said, they they should make a he should make a movie about yeah, himself. Yeah. Oh, that would yeah. do wonders for his ego. Yeah, <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about when it comes to you know Roman Polanski and Charles Manson, you need to find that out. Uh, go read uh, the, Helter Skelter or something, and you'll true. You'll, you'll but know about that. Without yeah. talking about Polanski, you got to talk about the the rape charges too. Oh, yeah, that's horrible horrible thing, but I do feel like it was a con game between the daughter and the mother. 
That's why the daughter doesn't have any ill feelings toward him. Well, that that's another thing where I just I feel so reluctant to cast judgment one way or the well, other. I just true. have to, you know, I have to take it for what it is. I mean, he basically he was charged with statutory rape. He pled guilty yeah. and then he fled and now it's been a well, lot of years and the whole thing's sort of in limbo. Of, so what he you know. One of the reasons he fled, though, I understand this. The judge wanted to make a name for himself. They they come to a plea bargain, mm. and the judge reneged on it. He he found out who he was, is what it was. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. He but I watched that documentary about that whole thing, and it wasn't very good. She yeah. wasn't. She was way too judgmental on mm. Polanski. Didn't give him. He didn't talk to her anyway. But why should he? It's been years. Yeah, you know. In a way, you kind of want. You would think people would want to forget about it. Yeah. To a degree, because yeah. it's been a long time, and the, and the the yeah. girl has said she forgave him, but I don't think she held anything. I mean, you know, she, she was sort of a willing participant in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, but <sighs> if that was my daughter, I have to admit I would probably find him and kill him. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But knowing Polanski, his ego and <laughs> yeah. the way he is, he brought it on himself with that. But I tell you, if you get a chance. Uh, go to YouTube, find the trailer to The Tenant, which is a movie he wrote, directed, and stars himself. Oh, wow. He did that right uh, before <laughs> the crimes happened, right? Oh, when he was on trial, the movie comes out, and the trailer comes out, and it says, Nobody does it to you better than Roman Polanski. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Yep. Wow. Bad choice of publicity. <laughs> but anyways. Amazing. You know. Wow. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to forget about that and just focus on, you know, what, what he was good at doing. Yeah, you know? and, and he finally and, won an Oscar, didn't he? Yeah. For yeah. The Pianist, which was a good movie. Real and, good movie. And his, his version of Oliver Twist was good. Yeah, so. yeah. And so that's uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, just uh, there is, I think, no question that this movie just holds a definite place in film history and horror history. Um, yeah, it does. As, uh, doing, I think, so much right and something that uh, I've just remembered for years and years and years, and is one of my favorites. And what are you going to do? I, I just yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so hard for me to hate the guy and. I don't again, hate him. I just, yeah, you know, I mean, every uh, once in a while I go back and. I watch his films. I watch his short films. His short films from Poland are brilliant. You know, we all just, we all screw up. I mean, it, to very. I mean, we all yeah. do some really bad things, and it's some a little worse than others. We all, you but, know, all of us have these these lapses in judgment, and maybe these yeah. these certain things that we take but, maybe a little too far that we know are wrong, and we also, still do. Though, it's what plays into his judgment, and me and you both can probably attest to this. Is how you're brought up, yeah. how you're raised. Right. He he didn't have a mother and father. Yeah. They they died in the death camps of uh, of Germany or not Germany, uh, Poland. Yeah. You know, they and he lived with an uncle and basically he had nobody telling what was right and wrong. Yeah. I mean, he knew it was right, what was right and wrong, but nobody told him what the choices were, the better choices. So and mm. and then the whole sixties thing. Come on debauchery and oh my gosh. You know, drug use and all that you know it plays in it and being successful 
Yeah, no. It had to be just such a confusing sort of, you know, so many things hitting them from eh. so many sides, and just growing up, you don't know what's right. I mean, I'm not going to, so, you know, I'm not going to try to justify him whatsoever because it's it's, right. it's sick right. and it's weird, and I don't, I, but again, I just try not to think about that when I when yeah. I judge the art that he has made and yeah, what I enjoy, you know. it's he, he did do some really good films, yeah. and there's, that always goes a little above what he did yeah. because it, it's, it's, it's sad that he can't live either of those down. Yeah. There's no way. And in the sad, he can't get away from the Manson thing too. Yeah, that is, yeah. Oh, that's a whole man. Yeah. A whole nother like thing. I said, he, he needs to make a movie about his own life. No he already wrote his own book, man. an autobiography called Roman by Polanski. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know that's ego, but hey, hey, well, but, that's that's him. That's uh, you know. yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, Mark, this has been brilliant. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, we got to talk tonight, man. Um, again, everyone should check out what Mark is doing at uh, Dark Dreams. It's a lot of fun, and your writing as well. I, is there a place uh, online where you, you you post what you're doing? Of course, we talked about Burial uh, Day and everything. Do you post things online yeah, or? Uh, I was I was doing it on my blog, but. I found out that it's better not to post them if I want them to be published somewhere because they'll reject it because of that. Yeah, because it's yeah. already online; it's already True. published. But it um, bloody dreadful dot blogspot was what I called it, and uh, you know, however the bad the name is, but <laughs> that's awesome. No, but that's that's where a, there's a lot of them still on there, and uh, I only take them off when they get published. You know, cool. Sometimes I just don't care what they you know what the editor says <laughs> <laughs> nice How, how's he going to know unless he googles yeah. me which they do <laughs> yeah, well yeah yeah sure so yeah uh, that's where it is and awesome. hopefully i can get another podcast going where it's uh everybody is uh it's a shared world private detective in a science fiction world and nice. you know talking to a few writers so that that'll just be like six episodes and then we'll be done with it but right. yeah so, all right, man. Cool. Well, I wish you the best, Mark. And again, I'm, oh, I'm, you know, you got to come on again because I'm sure there's okay. so much more that we could just go on about. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, my my uh, list of what we were supposed to talk about is. <laughs> I know I have notes here, the things I wanted to bring up, and they're just sort of still yeah. here. And, and Conversation just took a life of its own. So. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's a good thing, I guess. That's, that's exactly it. So thank you again, Mark. Um, I hope everyone thank checks you, you out and uh, have a good night, my friend. All right. You too. Thanks, man. Nobody can mess with my baby like me. Nobody can mess with my baby like me. I know the way she was, the way she was. Understand if you want to see her dance, but nobody can.
Vila, thank you, my friend. We are the record. Of-